I pressed record on my recorder. I don't care. I'll sync it up. It's Why fine. Are you recording? <laughs> huh? I pressed record. I have to do all the okay. fucking work. You guys, why do you care? I'm the one who fucking does it. You fucking pricks. Who's done the whole month so far? I'm sorry. I re-edited <laughs> a lot of Ghostbusters 2. And I didn't rub it in your face. But there was like a weird clip and I was like, ah, and then I had to go oh, back. No. And I oh. I'm recording now too, so I hit record. And you let me sound like a goddamn llama with all of my, my um sounds. I always I thought I cut a lot of I make you sound fucking great. I make you sound eloquent as shit. This purple honky prick try to tell me about editing. How many hundred episodes (laughs) you did? There were a lot of ums. Yeah, there's a lot of ums. But, you know. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) I suppose I should do this. This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me, as always, are my esteemed colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts, Doug, Adam, and Adrian. Say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hey, all you mutant goons. We've got all sorts of goo colors for you. Pink, green, and the white stuff. Hey, goons, you ready to get all Saturday morning on a bitch? Hey, guys. How you doing? It's Abe. So polite. He's like, what's up, bitch? And you're all like, oh, hello, I'm here. I know. And cue the bitch, right? (laughs) So, gang, this is probably selfishly what I'm most excited about, right? I didn't play the Ghostbusters game when it was current that everybody's so high on the Atari one. So I'm playing it now. So that's next week. But I I didn't play all the old games, even the ones that fucking suck. So I don't have a whole lot of sentimentality. But cartoons and comic books are my butt fucking jam. Doug has seen some of my 2000 plus comics because he actually got to come to my house. Thank you, Vaccines. What is your favorite of the Ghostbusters comic series supplemental material and why? Adam, we'll start with you. As far as the comics go, I am just now dipping my toe into the first two omnibus books of the real Ghostbusters collections. I'm loving them so far, but as far as... Favorite material cartoon wise, I'm going the first season of Real Ghostbusters. I think it's some of the best cartoons put out in the 80s. Just the writing was awesome. Animation was great back then. We'll talk about kind of dips in that as we uh, get into it. I'm just really a Real Ghostbusters fan. Doug, what about you? All right. Well, honestly, I'll be honest with you. I never watched any of the cartoons growing up as a kid. I watched a few episodes, but what I found out after rewatching some like the first few seasons of the real Ghostbusters, which I I like more than, you know, most of the other stuff that's that's on there in terms of like comic books and stuff. It was great. It's it's actually it holds its tone very strongly uh, to the tone of the original movie. So it's I'm going to have to go with that as being my favorite. But uh, yeah, it's it's like a whole other sequel. And you know what? what? I, I didn't grow up on the cartoon, so that's pretty good. The writing still holds up. Mm hmm. And Adrian, what about you? I think I know based on your background, but I, I just have to double check. Oh, well, I mean, obviously I have it, uh, the real ghost or the extreme Ghostbusters. Um, and just like Doug, I don't really remember too much of the real Ghostbusters. I did watch a bunch of them the other day. And I'm like, oh my God, I remember like their faces. And I remember I used to love Egon because I used to think he was cute for some reason. And I don't know why. Because he's a total babe. Yeah, he totally is. Intelligence is sexy. And he comes back in Extreme Ghostbusters, which we'll talk about later. So the Slimer, I'm glad that you mentioned that, Doug, earlier, because Slimer and the real Ghostbusters, those are the ones that I remember watching every day or every Saturday, I should say. So the other ones, I'm like, I don't remember any of this shit happening. And then Dan came home and he was watching it. And he's like, oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, I know. Who knew? So, (laughs) But yeah, Extreme is my favorite, obviously. So when I was a kid, you have to keep in mind when real ghost or yeah, real Ghostbusters goes off the air, I was four. So my brain was toddler brain, basically. 
And I thought that these were all the descendants of the Ghostbusters. So I thought they were, for some reason, when I was a kid, I thought the real Ghostbusters was called the new Ghostbusters. I have no idea how, probably because I couldn't read. And I loved that show. I did not like Slimer very much. I loved the characters. And I remember being very like a man apart or a boy apart from my peers because everybody was so it was Slimerific. You know, he was like the fucking Deadpool of that era where it's like, oh, he's so crazy and wacky. And I remember being like, no, thank you. Like, I, I would rather have the, the cool monster effects and, and the great dynamic. And honestly, I am of the opinion that the real Ghostbusters is the real Ghostbusters. As proven by the fact, Adam, I think you'll remember this. They go to Hollywood. They get to see the movie is based on their adventures. I'll have you know. Boom. So I'm a real Ghostbusters guy, even though my topic is comic books. They do an interesting way of tying the films and the cartoons together. Like, I believe that episode you're talking about is episode 10. And then, like, they... Do episode 11 is where they meet Slimer, apparently, even though he's already been in 10 episodes. It's supposed to be, oh, hey, that's the ghost we caught at the Sedgwick. What's he doing here? He's been here for 10 episodes, so you tell me. And then there's the episode where they finish with the the marshmallow goop and Gozer, and then the goop on their uniforms makes them come to life, and that's why they get new cute outfits. I love it. Yeah, Citizen Ghost. That was the only time you really saw just like all four of them in the khaki jumpsuits. Which is pretty cool, too, because if you ever want to know what happened after they blew up Gozer, you know, hey, there you go. There's your sequel, sort of. Yeah, and it's really cool because the comics kind of, it's weird. I feel like the comics are very parallel to the cartoon, but... I don't know. They just still it weaves in between tying the cartoon to the comic as well as the movies with the comic. But I don't know. It's it's just an interesting web. Yeah. And I think that's one of the brilliant parts about we'll get to the comics that are associated with the real Ghostbusters. It's all vignette style. So there is no overarching narrative, but also because it's so small, there's such little tiny microcosms throughout. You don't have to worry as a reader about like, what is the point of this? You know, where is this going? Because if we watch a prequel for anything or anything that's interwoven between, we know there's no consequence. You know, if I watch Rogue One, I can tell you one goddamn thing for certain. Anybody with a last name Skywalker is living through that fucking movie, right? (laughs) Yep. No, but with like this, you don't have to worry about those things because it's like it's four pages and then you have the next of four other stories. I think that's pretty clever. It's really cool. It's almost like just an anthology, uh, but also just another day on the job for them. And it's cool. Which is also cool because when you think about it, if you go to Ghostbusters 2, they didn't Ghostbust for five years or at least some degree of time after their lawsuits. So they're not practice rehearsed veterans and stuff. They're not experts. They're just guys who've run bookstores and TV shows. Whereas with this theorem, it's, oh, no, we've been fucking boots on the streets the whole time, right? We got new gadgets. We got new stuff. We got all them ghosts. We never stop. <laughs> Many Ectos. Oh, the yeah. helicopter, which is what is the Ecto-3? No, 3 is the motorcycle. Either, anyway, I'll get into the weeds. So, Adam, do you want to walk us through the formation of this Deke Entertainment joint? Yeah, so uh, series ran for about, uh, it was 140 episodes. They went through a significant amount of uh voice actor changes throughout yeah yeah first 
season was 13 episodes. That was successful. Second season got the order for 65 episodes, which if you go to pick it up now, like I've just been collecting them on uh, Prime Digital Download, it's easier for me. They split up the second season of 65 episodes into like different. I think it's probably five of the seasons, four or five of the seasons on there. I think the show is definitely strongest in its first season. It continues great writing wise, story wise, episode wise. I feel the animation for some reason just kind of got a bit hazy after that first season. And then I noticed it kind of kicked back up when they were trying to put more money in it to like market it more towards kids uh, with the junior Ghostbusters. And like we were saying, the Slammer and the real Ghostbusters, it got a bit more polish. But uh, I feel like that was all in vain because that's when the show really started to taper off. I think I was five at the time when that came out. And it just I could tell then I was like, what is this shit? Why does Venkman sound like Uncle Joey now? I don't like it. Yeah, that's all Q5. I was really frustrated to read that because everybody always hears Ray uh, J. Michael Straczynski is associated with this, right? Like, oh, it goes on to do all these great things in, in Holly Weird. And he was the showrunner up until the third season. And then Q5 comes in because ABC is trying to, like, check in on their programming. And this company, according to Straczynski, which I have every reason to believe, he says these motherfuckers come in and they go, OK, well, you should change this, 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 this and this. But they don't actually do market research. They just think this is going to work hypothetically. So that's why you get the change to Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters, which is the longest fucking title I've ever heard of. They did a bunch of terrible things. So I am going to intersplice my hatred of this stuff because I think to Adam's point, that's where I think the huge drop off is. I like I said, as a kid, I hated the focal point of Slimer. Even like there's like the extra half hour of Slimer shit I don't care about. Ugh. It's so bad. And the fucking junior Ghostbusters were the beginning of the end. It's just like, yep. why? Why? Don't, that was Q5 as well. We don't need you. Yes. It's just, it, Deke should have just held on to that and just, oh, Deke had undoubtedly the largest collection of heavy hitters of 80s cartoons and into the early mid 90s, I want to say, under their belt. And it's just. Of licensed content, yeah. So, like, they did have stuff like Inspector Gadget, but I went through and just picked out some of the licensed work that Deke had around this time. Because originally, Filmation was going to try and do this because they're the ones who own the name Ghostbusters, right? And then they couldn't do that, so that's why you have the guys and the, the ape in their stupid cartoon show. But here's some of the branded content. Hello Kitty, Dennis the Menace, Alf, Heathcliff, Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling, Super Mario, Wizard of Oz, Legend of Zelda, Karate Kid, Bill and Ted, Where's Waldo, Sonic, Double Dragon, and Siegfried and Roy, Masters of the Impossible, four episodes of that shit. And I think you can follow what I'm saying. This is far longer in terms of content than any of those got. And so I think that's why some of this quality assurance stuff comes in because they never had to be longstanding. How many episodes of the Karate Kid cartoon do you remember? I think Bill and Ted actually did get two seasons, but I mean, it didn't get 149. I remember that uh, yeah. more than anything. I, I can barely, if I strain to think about it, remember the Karate Kid cartoon. But yeah, it, it, Deke was definitely a powerhouse. But uh, yeah, letting that them come in for that quality control really kind of just brought this one down. But it, it had a great run. It was going to go this way eventually. But hey, we, we got some great follow ups. When did Ecto-1, Ecto-Cooler get uh, released? Uh, I'm sure that's what, what the big push on Slimer was. <laughs> yeah, I think it was around that time. 1989. Yeah, that was when the movie came out. 
and they started switching all the branding to Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. They were really just trying to market that, put it onto any product they could use Slimer as the mascot as much as they could. Which is it weird that like the ghost who's in the intro for the show, who's in the logo, never becomes a character? Like it's so weird to me that it's never like I feel like he has so much more potential than. And I think the big problem I'm, now that I'm saying it out loud, the biggest problem I have with Slimer is that fucking voice. That I've always hated that voice. If he had like a deep, growly, like burpy voice, I think I'd love that character. Yeah, give him the Ivan Reitman growl. Yeah, just just a gremlin. That's all he was. Even as the yum yum. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, some of the other changes that Q5 did because we're talking about the shit and some of these actually lead to J. Michael Straczynski's departure from the show. He quits. Now they wanted to give everybody a role on the show, kind of like a more of an A team type thing. Oh, I know where you're going with this one. It's really, it's so cringy. There's, there's two cringy parts. One is much less cringy. So they wanted Egon to be the brain. Okay, cool. I kind of get it. You're, You're trying to do the Ninja Turtle thing. You know, you want one, you know, Cool but rude, party dude, leader, does machines, got it. Now has sex with machines, yes. So then it goes to Ray, who they wanted to call quote unquote the hands. They do that as a conciliatory measure after they proposed taking Ray out of the show. Yes, Ow. they wanted to take Dan Aykroyd, as in the creator of Ghostbusters, they wanted to take his character out of the show. Oh, but wait, it gets worse. So much. Peter is quote unquote, the mouth, the Deadpool of the team. And Winston is the driver. Miss Daisy, oh swear on my life. He's talked about it tons of times. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? The racial implications are terrible. No, they also wanted to make Janine meek. At one point, she was going to be a full fledged, you know, Ghostbuster ad hominem in, in perpetuity forever. But it's also like this weird contrast of like, you're subvert. They even made them de sharpen her glasses. That's how intermeddling these fucks were. So they invite J. Michael Straczynski to come back for season six. And he's like, no, I'm doing other stuff. Here's a few episodes, one of which is Janine. You've changed, which is amazing. And it's a very nice little snub at the people who took his creation from him. I was reading into that. They said the sharpened glasses for some reason scared kids and it made her look like a strong woman. Never mind the fact that the demons and ghouls and goblins are there. It's the glasses. It's the glasses, you know. Well, of course we're going to vilify the only woman on the show, right? So that makes sense. Let's just fuck with her glasses. just to. It's so fucked. It's real bad, dude. It's real bad. And they're the ones who make the, the young Ghostbusters appear, which is something that nobody liked. It was nobody. I don't remember that at all. They're these You're little lucky. kids. There's three of them. They're super annoying. They couldn't keep a voice actor to save their life. There's like four different people who come in. It's just, it's garbage. I don't even have much to say. It's just, it's truly disgusting. Yeah, it's like around uh, like a pup named Scooby-Doo when all that stuff was popular. So it's like, oh, let's make Uh, junior mm -hmm. Ghostbusters. So Very good call. Another thing, back to the whole cringe factor that was the whole Winston situation. It's like, justice for Ernie here. Because Ernie Hudson auditioned to voice Winston and they said no. Okay. Serious? Okay, I'm gonna have to take umbrage with you, sir. Who is my okay. favorite late night host of all time? Arsenio Hall, Arsenio right? Thank Hall. you. I don't fight it. I think he, it, it, his voice is iconic. It, but it, it's it, when you think about it, it's just like, dude, how many ways are they gonna fuck Hudson? Here's my yeah. problem. Here's my thinking. 
instead of Buster Jones replacing Arsenio, they probably should have given Ernie a callback. That's my take on right. it. Literally, the casting director said that's not how Ernie Hudson did it. And it was, quote unquote, all wrong, not realizing he was actually speaking to the Ernie Hudson. <laughs> and it's like, dude, it, oh my it fucking God, you know Bill what? Murray complains that he sounds like Garfield and they change his voice. But then he becomes Garfield when Lorenzo Music dies. Exactly. What is like, this what world? The fuck? Also, how are you going to have a name Lorenzo Music and not be a musician? You're going to be a voice actor. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, Lorenzo, that's like the ironic. perfect opera soprano voice. And I, I was looking at some behind the scenes stuff too. There's um, when they're interviewing Dan Aykroyd about the real Ghostbusters. And like when he first was looking at it, he's like, I guess I'm the fat one. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's real sad. Oh my God. I know that Ray is the only one who doesn't really feel like Ray from the movie, I guess. I don't know. I think he does. He has that like boyish enthusiasm, especially Ghostbusters 2, when he's like getting pulled by the ears and stuff. He has this kind of joyful boyishness. His appearance, I guess. Yeah, visually. He's not as chubby in the movie. But I think Egon's the biggest variation. I think that's why in my mind I thought that it had to be some kind. And also a lot of them, they they call like last names and stuff. They'll, They'll refer to Spengler and stuff. And so I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, like he's blonde. He has a spiral of hair and a rat tail. Clearly, that's not Harold <laughs> Ramis, right? So, <laughs> I always thought it looked like a lady. Well, they make Bankman look <laughs> handsome too. So, like Bankman looks more handsome in the cartoon, right? Like he's more of dude. He looks way more handsome. Are you kidding yeah, me? So he should have been the clearly, fat one. Let's be real. I know they both yeah. got bangs like tiramisu. <laughs> you know what I think would be great is if he. Wow, that's a very funny joke, Adam. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) if he was the fat one that makes a lot more sense though because especially all the times he's hitting on women like the episode where they have the gremlins him failing miserably becomes way funnier i think he's like just so visibly outshined now do we talk i I mentioned lorenzo music topic of music topic of alanis morissette adrian how do you think alanis morissette ties into the real ghostbusters Oh my God! I don't know, like Dave Coulier or something, right? Yes. But she never dated him. That was a rumor. That was a rumor. That song is not about his ugly ass. I promise. (laughs) I wouldn't be that upset if Dave Coulier dumped me. Okay, so there. Yeah, he might have like an amazing dick, though. You know what? He probably puppeteered that puppet on what is it, Full House, with his giant throbbing member. Okay, all right. I'll give you that because a good lay is a good lay. But you know, he probably gives his dick a voice like Mr. Woodchuck, too. So it's probably fucking awful. No, 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 no. I'm going to bust. Oh my god. This is a children's show. I have to mention the only other person to be replaced was Janine Kath. Susie replaced Laura Summer, and both of them refused to come back for Extreme Ghostbusters, Adrian. How do you feel about that? Do you have a staunch opinion on this? I really don't. (laughs) I mean, because I feel like Janine doesn't really change that much, and she still kind of has that sarcastic quality to her. Like, her personality, I feel, stays the same. So I don't really... I feel I like care. she got meek when her voice changed in the in the real Ghostbusters series. It's like she not to say she was like as assertive as she was in like the first movie in the beginning of the series. But like when they changed her voice in real Ghostbusters, it was like, wow, you just you sound. Know, 
I don't really remember her. Like when I remember the cartoon, the things that stick out for me, unfortunately, are not Janine. So that's a problem. Doesn't doesn't make me sad either way. So on the topic of Janine, so Harold Ramis hated the fact that they had Egon and her be a cutesy little couple people, which I think ties in to Lewis Tully coming in and slinging that thick old dog dick in Ghostbusters 2 because Ramis actually got to intervene and go, oh, nay, nay, you shan't paint my character with a broad brush because of one visual gag involving cunnilingus. Good, sir. (laughs) Oh, slinging that fucking accountant peen. Fucking Lewis. These condoms are a tax (laughs) write-off. These off-brand Trojans. <laughs> oh, God. They're fuck. called Spartans. I got <laughs> them from Canada. <laughs> they make good financial sense. I-, I shaved about two cents on every dollar that I bought on here, so it- 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 I know it'll work. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, any favorite uh, monsters or designs or anything for anybody? For real Ghostbusters? Well, actually, the one that I saw was uh, pretty interesting last night, and I've never seen the one. It was, I don't remember the name of the episode. It's the one on St. Patrick's Day with this big St. Patrick's Day dog, and the only way to kill it is with a four-leaf clover. It was kind of like Ghostbusters meets Leprechaun, in a way, with a vicious Irish dog. That was a good one. And then I also have this, too. My buddy Coker got my, I guess you can't really. Oh, Granny Gross out! Yeah, Granny Gross out, and she's still in the package. Oh my god, man! I'm oh so god. excited to see that. I think I have the, I have some stream Ghostbusters and a bunch of the real old, real Ghostbusters figures downstairs. They're all, they're all handled by a child. Oh, that is just something to see right there. Yeah, that's you rad. press her, and uh, her whole mouth opens, and her brain comes like, out. Yeah, dude, that's some rabid Granny's kind of shit right there. Like her whole fucking front half opens up. I love the toys so. Yeah, much. that is rabid Granny's, and we got to get more movies with killer Grannies in there. So I think that's you know real Ghostbusters. Good thing we got Granny Gross. Yeah, Granny mm-hmm. Gross out was her name. Adam, do you have a favorite or top fifty or something? <sighs> yeah, I mean shit. Uh, the first introduction is Sam Hain. I mean, yes, I know it's Salon. I know this. But the show calls it Sam Hain, so I'm calling it Sam Hain. You know what I'm calling it? Okay. Mother of Mercy. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, that's definitely my favorite. There, there's so many good ones. Cold Cash, Hot Water. I think that's the second episode with Peter's father, and they go up to Alaska and they found this giant, like, old god in the ice called Hob. Was it Hob and Agaric? It looks like the monster from Relic, the Kathoga. It looks like that walking on two legs. That's a cool one. There's a lot of my my favorites definitely lie in the first season, like Look Homeward Ray and the Christmas episode. Yeah, I'm just partial to that first season very much so. And then I can tell you what I don't like. Mm. What's that? I don't like all of the ones where it like where I think there's the one Nash from the episode where it has it like opens its stomach and it has like kind of like weird titty teeth mouth thing. That one I never liked because it was just uncomfortable. It felt like Java the Hutt was going to fillet and then destroy me. There's just so many like creatures and ghosts they've come up with for the show. It's really cool to see. Just I, I know they use a couple of them over again. I know like the boogie. Oh, the boogeyman cometh is definitely another favorite. I want to get a. Uh, I'm working on a real Ghostbusters leg sleeve. I want to get him on there. But yeah, like they've used. The Boogeyman a couple times, Sam Hain popped up again, but they came up with so many different creature designs for this show, and it's just really rad. 
Yeah, and I got to say, too, I didn't grow up watching the real Ghostbusters, at least not until like later on when they were doing reruns on Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. And the animation mm-hmm. seemed to kind of change a little bit because mm-hmm. when I'm when I was uh, seeing these episodes of you know like the first season of the real Ghostbusters, it was very uh, it was very anime. I was waiting for Ray to kind of give the, the peace sign and then you hear the shing. You know what I mean? Like it was yep. very hentai for or, or anime for me, but yeah, no, I think it, it definitely uh, held up. You know, I, they had all the cool monsters, and, and the one you mentioned before, the the boogeyman cometh. That was a that was a really good. That was an intense monster for a kid's uh, cartoon. Right. Yeah, short of the coloration being basically the Joker, I always really liked that one because I love the fact that it gives Egon motivation with a guy with that kind of intellect. You know why? What like why ghosts, right? Why something that's so arguably intangible? And also, like, I would kind of really wish they explored that even more. Like, wouldn't it be great if he was just some fuck around kid who, because he was so obsessed with catching the boogeyman, suddenly like buckled down and became a genius, but he was not inherently a genius? He got his shit together. He bought himself a pocket calculator and a <laughs> notebook. <laughs> <laughs> me, me. <laughs> and then, hey, do you have any kind of favorite that you might like from the original, or are you just extreme, extreme yeah, they- monster energy? <sighs> No, I mean, well, you know, I have, I watched a bunch of episodes the other day and I, and you guys are talking all this shit about Slimer, but I really like the episode where Slimer runs away because Venkman was being so mean to him. Oh, Q5 and- also made Venkman stop being mean to him. It's fucking obnoxious. But that's the thing. Okay. Because it's like, obviously he's like the pet in the house, right? And they're going to get pissed off at him because he inadvertently like gets them into trouble whenever he is, you know, showcased on the show. So, but then say, you know, Slimer ends up saving the day. Like that's a little trope of his, you know, whatever. And I felt so bad for him. Like he was just wandering through the street. I'm like, oh my God, Slimer. Like I'm just like cooking in the kitchen. Like I can't believe they are so mean to him. And then I think what is the monster in the show where all the ghosts are going into him? Is it the Grundle or something? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That that monster comes back in Extreme Ghostbusters too, uh, as well, and so that one like bothers me, and it's like big old fat and gross, and just and and then I didn't like that little ghost of families that came back with the ugly son, and they were just so fucking ugly. Like I don't remember like everything being so like not aesthetically pleasing on the show. And I'm like, Ugh. the troll from the Troll Bridge episode, the little breakdancing one when he like just Ugh. shows up and he's like nude. Oh my god, I just, I can't, and so I don't, I don't remember any of this as it is all, and I can't believe, because I know that Dan, Dan's sister shows it to his nephew, he's, he's gonna be four, and I can't believe he's watching this, I'm like, oh my god, I didn't think it was this bad, but whatever, I mean, I would have watched, I obviously was watching it at four, right, because that's how we were when it came out. So. Well, there, to your earlier point, there were plans for a lot of the monsters to come back for Extreme, it just got canceled super shit ass fast so like stay puffed was supposed to be there i mean there's even like other designs that people had done for extreme and that's something that's really fucky is when people talk about like concept art for extreme because there's such little known about it because it was so brief that a lot of people try to depict their fan art as concept art which is not true so you always have to kind of take that extra step to try and dig further but when it comes to the uh, real Ghostbusters, you also come up with that kind of issue because there's so much content from the comics as well, where people will take something from there and say it's this. But the comics, like it's a very synergistic relationship between the two real Ghostbusters series and the TV series. There's that. Now's as good a time as any for us to transfer over and get a little extreme. So pop the top extreme. off of that monster energy drink. 
take a couple. Uh, what? What? What's? Uh, well, do some whippets, <laughs> and let's stroll on over to the the mass, the mistress of Miami, the Florida fling herself, and let's talk about extreme Christmas. See now that was an epic in aid introduction. <laughs> okay i will say it is so fucking hot today and i've got the balcony door open and i'm like dying right now but anyway okay so the extreme ghostbusters i did a lot of research there is actually a lot of stuff to talk about jake so so like you should totes do it i'm just gonna start and I'll, i'll start with some trivia and I know you guys were talking about the IDW comic from earlier. And you know that Kylie from Extreme Book Ghostbusters does a couple of cameos. And she actually works in Ray's Occult Bookstore. Did Ooh. you know, as Jake likes to say? Did not. That's a rad touch. The more you know. The more you know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but actually, this this show is very progressive. It's, and that's the reason why I really enjoy it. I didn't really notice these things when I was a kid because, you know, I was a kid not really looking at things as an adult would look at them, but it's very progressive. It showcases a lot of diversity with the show. I think that it's a great sequel to the real Ghostbusters. The show was also noted for being aimed at a slightly more adolescent audience with a tougher edge. So there is a darker, edgier, you know, presence or tone to this show, which is why I love it. A tougher edge, but not a straight edge. XXX sobriety rules. CM oh Punk god. is my god. Ecto Kulu or nothing. You got a guy with a soul patch and an earring. I mean, that's that's pretty uh, risque for a 90s thing. Yeah. Sorry, the soul it's, patch it's, is it the worst thing that's ever happened. It's very hard to get into the show because of that soul patch. But that was the time. Again, this is a product of its time. It was 90. It came out. I think made it in 96. I think it came out in 97. Let me go back to my little stats. Over yeah, here. I was in middle school. So it was like 97, 98, I think, right? Yeah, it starts in September of 97, ends December of 97. Okay, so and there's 40 episodes. It's all it's one season, but there are 40 episodes. So there's a lot of episodes and they do pay homage and, and they actually carried a lot of the things from the real Ghostbusters. So they do a really good job of carrying these things over. But with the new cast, I really do like the addition of having a female Ghostbuster, obviously. And they were actually supposed to be all female except for Eduardo. And then I was thinking how pissed off Adam would have been if that was the case. So no, I mean, if they, they were directed were well, I, I would <laughs> totally love it. You know, hey, you know, I love a strong female character. I, I don't like a character that bases their performance on a queef joke. Oh Kylie was fucking Eddie. savage. I've got her figure downstairs. IDW, they actually have an entire female roster of uh, Ghostbusters there. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll get into that. Moving along, I know that they have they have toys for all of the characters except for Garrett because I wanted they were to saying, say that. Yeah, because Garrett was not produced as an action figure in the Trends Master toy line. There was some apprehension from the toy company to sell a character in a wheelchair. It's fucked up. You know, that was the one thing. I mean, yes, it cost probably was the their cost of it, bottom yeah. dollar. That's exactly the problem. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't like saying that they're, you know, they're they have something against the handicapped. It's just no, like, but it sucks. Really it's like just like there were no Winston figures and it's still yeah. hard to get a Winston figure. And it's like, dude, exactly. I always wanted a Garrett figure. That was the one thing. This show lasted like that one season, but their toy game came out and it hit hard like the, it. I, I think I have almost the entire collection and dude, it just sucks. There's like three of everybody else, I think. And just no Garrett. It's oof. I mean, even if you could sell him in a souped up wheelchair as like a vehicle, 
kind of thing. They could have just sold him like sitting in a desk or something like and not have the wheelchair, you know. So you take the most athletic one of them and you just have him sit at a desk like a Janine. Okay, well, speaking of Janine, see, segue, I'm learning from, oh my God, I hate all of you. Love you. See, this is like, you give me a little, like a little segment and I can't even get through it. Oh, ah. We're your big brothers, man. We're we're just playing Ghostbuster games. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say, too, I mean, you know, for them not wanting to release him with the wheelchair, uh, 96 <laughs> was a was a year where you could say really whatever you want, because I remember growing up and I turned on ABC as a kid. I think it was five or six. No, I think it was five years old. And Extreme Ghostbusters was on, and uh, the guy in the wheelchair came up, and my dad just kind of walked in the room. He's like, what is this, Sean? Oh, Ghostbusters? And uh, yeah, so he sees the guy in the wheelchair. He's like, what do they call him? Ecto-2? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, the time wasn't kind to the extreme and the disabled. Oh. I, you know, and that's the thing. Well, they actually won an award from the Los Angeles Commission on Disabilities for its work on Garrett. So the show did, you know. Obviously, not a fe- not give everyone a joke, right? For uh, poor poor little Garrett. I mean, that was Jason Marsden, man. Fucking yeah, Zachary it was Jason, the fact that it was Jason Mar- Marsden, and you know the fact that he Dash does X. a lot of voices. Yeah, and he was talking about how one of his favorite memories from recording the series was Alfonso Ribeiro singing "Amazing Grace" for his sound check. So he had Alfonso Ribeiro, like you know. We're friends, so I think that's really You cute. will address so, him as Carlton on this as show. As Carlton. Well, I also, in my notes, wrote him as Panic, because I never do. Because so. I never do. Ticks, oh, my yeah. friend. Ticks up in this bitch. <laughs> Which I love that movie. So anyway. But anyways, back to Janine. She was actually supposed to, the original like concept for this, like it was supposed to be about Janine being teaching history at a local college and her bringing the team together. And then they ended up changing it to Egon. I mean, they were going to have Egon, but he was going to be like huddled in front of a computer screen and just being like this dowager, so to speak, as in male terms. Right. So. OK. So am I making a dowager shirt yet? So he's like a rich widower. Yeah. But, I, you know, he never got married. <laughs> that's cool. Well, I mean, maybe because he, he didn't been- get married, he didn't waste all of his money on some broad. Am I right, fellas? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, <laughs> that, that that was the real Ghostbusters, buddy. You get that one? I do. That's uh, an Arsenio Hall joke. It is. Layers. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, they ended up changing it. And actually, Garrett wasn't supposed to be in a wheelchair, but they put him in the wheelchair because they were trying to counteract his like jockey attitude. And they figured, well, you can't Let's cripple hey, the kid. You can't hate and him if he is in a wheelchair because if he be if he's able to do all these things in a wheelchair, he becomes more of a commendable character versus you know a jockey asshole, which is what he would have been if he was just walking around. So, and they were talking about test audiences with the kids that they they were surprised at the time that they wouldn't make a toy of him because Garrett was actually one of the favorite characters from test audiences, exactly. and the kid yeah, and the kids looked at him as the leader more yeah. so than Eduardo completely. Agreed. He was like a Ray Peter hybrid, but more fun and extreme because he had wheels. If we want to get into the characters, obviously Slimer comes back with a different, you know, voice actor, but he's, he's basically the same. And instead of Venkman and him having issues, he has issues with, with Eduardo. Mm -hmm. And then we have Eduardo with his soul patch, a cynical leader, so to speak, fights a lot with Slimer and he's like in love with Kylie 
and he's he, he does he's a little cringy sometimes with his comments and he's, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a lot he mirrors Vankman like he's supposed to mirror Vankman but I do like the fact that he's Hispanic he's you know kind of a slacker he's not your typical college kid or whatever because they're all in college at the beginning right so then we have Kylie and she's not she's not a typical girl either she's goth she's into the occult she mm. lives with her cat I love her mm. and <laughs> I know she's great she was rule dream, 34 man. anyone <laughs> and so and then we have obviously Roland and he's played by Alfonso Ribeiro and obviously he's the he's the mechanic of the group so he mimics Ray in a lot in, in those aspects like he's the big cuddly one so and then we have Garrett and so Garrett kind of encompasses like all of the old ones in, in some way and he's he's not my favorite though I will say he's kind of annoying. And if you watch the the true face of the monster, I got very annoyed by him not acknowledging that those creeps he was hanging out with were total racist. Like he was just flying right over his head. And so whatever, Garrett can suck it. And then we have Egon. <laughs> There's no in between. Just fuck the guy in the wheelchair. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck Garrett. Oh. <laughs> uh, then we have obviously Egon comes back, which I really like the fact that he's older. And there are like times where he mentions that he's older. And the last couple of episodes, like Janine throws him a 40th birthday party. And I'm like, Dan's about to turn 40. So he's not very old, but they act like he's old. So that kind of makes me sad because we're all getting there. He's still got a savage haircut, though. I know. His rat tail is gone. He's got a real ponytail now. Yeah. So that's cute. Well, they give him like an old man's blue sweater, right? Like that's yeah. what we're going to look when we get 40. He very much <laughs> yeah. looks frumpy. Grab your cardigans, gentlemen. We're almost there. <laughs> oh, no. Well, m- maybe not Doug. <laughs> and then Janine comes back, of course, and she's still in love with him, which I feel I feel bad for her because he never, you know, she just wants to get laid. Like, what the fuck is wrong with Egon? Like, why? Guess so, that Tully Dick wasn't doing it. I know. <sighs> it was discounted. <laughs> But there's a lot of really cool monsters. And like we talked about before, some of the monsters from the real Ghostbusters crossover into this one. And we still have Slimer. They're going, Slimer is supposed to have a little sidekick in this one. They got rid of him. So I'm glad they did that. The weird like little critter thing that I saw. Yeah, it was like a a goblin named Nat or something like that. Um, And some of the episodes are very scary. So I said, I said one earlier titled Deadliners and that one is a parody on R.K. Stein and it has the, uh, these three characters that look very strangely much like the Cenobites. And they are literally like slicing people up and doing all of these disgusting things. On top of that, Kylie calls Roland a simp in the episode. Yes! (laughs) You know, and there's a little screenshot I sent you, a little dick shadow on his cheek. Yeah, that did look like a dick. I didn't notice that, but when you when you still did, I was I hoping that. those were droplets of sweat that were uh, beating on his brow. No, I thought you sounded like a bukkake hentai. They were watching that with the family in the living room. Oh my god! So yeah, it, so that one. If you two have it, if, if neither uh, Doug or Jake, if you guys haven't watched that one, you have to watch it. It's 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 amazing. I seen it. It's really good. Like, thank you for having me watch that one again. Like, seriously, that was like In the Mouth of Madness meets Clive Barker. Just it was really good. Strangest thing. And the fact that it came out in 97 and the plot of it is about R.K. Stein or whatever the hell there. Yeah. J.K. Klein is this like adult, young adult horror author. And he's 
forced to write these stories and that's how these deadliners or Cenobites are able to do these things to these people. And then that sort of mimics the plot to the ghost, the Goosebumps movie about R.L. Stein, where Jack Black is R.L. Stein. It's the same plot. It's a solid episode. A little just... bit of plagiarism there, yeah. It's a very good episode, though. So I, I recommend it to everybody. And they're streaming right now on YouTube. So if you guys want to watch that at home. Yeah, they're doing a new episode every week. They're trying to bring back Saturday morning cartoons, which I think is really cool. And I really like the fact that they had all of the voice actors not over-exaggerate and just talk like normal, normal yes. people would talk. So it gives yeah. the show a much more realistic feel. And it's just it's just darker and it's scarier. And there's just something not as playful with this show, which is why I like it, because it's so, like, not, you know, happy. There's, like, one episode I was watching, and I don't remember what, which one it was, but... Like, Eduardo's such an ass. Like, Egon's calling him. Like, they all fell off this cliff or something. And Eduardo's the only one that didn't fall. And Egon's calling him. And he's like, oh, my God, Roland and Kylie are dead. And then, like, Kylie's coming up. She's like, we're not dead. Like, what the fuck? And I'm like, that would so happen. Like, if all of us fell off the cliff, like, which one of you would say that I was dead first? I don't know. But I'm like, I'm still here. Still here. <laughs> Probably Jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dead. We, Just keep moving. Yeah, she quit. She's Not quite dead yet. <laughs> I think signs. I feel better. <laughs> but the last thing I want to touch on, and then we can move on because I know you guys are, are ready for comics and, and whatnot. But I really want. I have to some talk talking about- points on your shit show too. I mean, your great show that <gasps> should have, was was unjustly canceled after one season. I, I may be a shit show, but this is not a shit show, okay? <laughs> so, Stella, be quiet. I'm talking. Adam is talking, but he doesn't realize he's muted. So that I, there was a quip there that's gone. <laughs> no, I just um, said A-Team approved, man. This show slaps. They, it was This was the show they made for the kids that grew up on the real Ghostbusters as yep. they grew up. It got edgier. Okay, so I'm going to have to admit, whenever Adam says something slaps, I think it's like something dirty. Yeah, it's balls slapping against a gooch. Is that what that means? Yes, I obviously. figured it was something dirty. Okay. All right, now that we've cleared that up. but I So with this show, I feel that represent, representation really matters in the show. And for it happening in 97, the fact that we have a Hispanic lead, uh, a female lead who's not like the typical like pretty girl, blonde, blue eyes, whatever. She's very much a she's all that. Right. Where she doesn't realize how hot she is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fell into the hot topic black void. What we we needed was a torrid version. We needed a body positive girl. (laughs) Then that's truly representative. This chick's too hot. I don't believe that she's got issues and she's gloomy. Well, that's not true because there's a lot of like. Very crazy, beautiful girls on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever I took over Brian's Instagram, I noticed that there was a lot of- <laughs> the one thing he did on that <laughs> account was follow all of these people. Yeah. He sure did, and now like I'm like watching their shit now. That's hilarious. So, but anyway, so representation. So we have the Hispanically, we have Roland, who's black. Obviously, I mean, if they're gonna give like another Winston nod, he's nothing like Winston. So. I guess he's everything that Winston was supposed to be in the movie, right? Winston was supposed to be an engineer and do all of these things and be really important. So Winston never got that. So Roland got that. I'm really happy about that. That's the cool thing. They didn't just follow the archetypes. They, They tried something new. Yeah, exactly. And then they had, and I'm glad that they didn't make them all female because it would make sense if they were all female if Janine was at the helm, right? But since Egon comes back, I'm glad that there there's the one girl. But I'm glad that there is still a female one. But it'd have a very Charlie's Angels thing if it was him. I think that's true. 
Yeah. And so, you know, so it's, it's, it's nice that we have that, that we have these characters. And then of course, Garrett's handicapped and he doesn't let that deter him. He's probably the biggest risk taker of all of them. I feel like he has something more to prove because he's handicapped and he's paraplegic. So I think they did a really good job with, you know, incorporating all of these different, you know, non-typical, the diverse kids, especially since they're in New York City, like they wouldn't all just be white affluent kids, right? They would be a mixture of all of these different people. I mean, I guess if you were on the Upper East Side, it'd be a little bit different, but whatever. They're clearly not, right? Well, I guess one of the things of like the the kind of migrant status of all the original Ghostbusters, like when you're talking about Ray's more like was a third mortgage, it's clear that they all came to New York, but they're not of New York. It doesn't seem. Whereas these kids are clearly of New York. And I think that's a huge distinction. It's one of the things that I like about some of the comics is that they branch out. Like some of them, they do like a road trip because the fact that it's so isolated the East Coast is a huge issue that I see with like Marvel comics. Where it's like West Coast Avengers sucks. I have every single issue that's ever been printed because I love to look in the background and go, that's a Griffith Observatory. That's the Man Chinese Theater. I love this shit. And I think to your point, the diverse nature of everything, New York is such a huge playground and it's so underutilized simultaneously. It's a little frustrating. It is a cartoon, so we can only get so much from it, right? I think we do get a lot for for the fact that it, it's supposed to be a, a child's show. And it really has a lot of themes in there that are not for children. It's very heavy, especially the, the episode about racism where the the synagogues being attacked and by those those anti-semitic racists and you know they have to they have to bring this golem to life to, to protect the synagogue and they have all this hate speech like you know drawn on the synagogue and i'm like this is a kid's show and this is so such a heavy-handed topic to talk about and it's true that garrett probably wouldn't notice because he doesn't he's not a, he comes from a place, you know, of, of being handicapped, but he doesn't come from a place of, of not having, you know, white privilege in that respect. So he it just one goes right over his head. But you, he probably wouldn't notice. Right. Because it's not like he ever really faced anything regarding his race. Well, I think it's also to show that their acceptance and encouragement of him is something that he is seeking. Right. Because he is a minority of sorts to have found people who are, are embracing him albeit because of the color of his skin, shows how easily swayed people can be, how easily isolated can be manipulated. Think about every fucking weird kid who you knew in high school who didn't have any friends who's suddenly a QAnon birther, flat earther, because they found a community, (laughs) right? And I think that's very indicative. And I think that was actually one of my favorite episodes. I know that you were saying that, in fact, he doesn't really confront it, but that's actually, that's why I think it's powerful. I don't think at the time I appreciated that, but I think I do now. I was just going to say, I got to wonder if that's why it only got the one season ordered. Like, I don't think the network was ready to be dropping these truth bombs and showing this to kids. And it it sucks because it would have been better that this kept going and just been a positive influence to kids. I mean, these heavy it, it, it stuck with us, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they could turn on the news and see stuff like that even worse. You know what I mean? It's like in real life, you know, anti-Semitic uh, and just outright racism you know so kids see it somewhere you know might as well see it in a cartoon that you could kind of learn from i think one of the problems is it wasn't a hit then going to this stuff i think they've just assumed hey this is going to be a hit because it has this logo with this ghost on it so we're going to use this as a vessel to articulate this message you have to ingratiate yourself to an audience you can't do it where you just start yelling at somebody because people turn it off and i think that from somebody who comes from the perspective of None of these people look like the original Ghostbusters. Who's this kid? Who's this girl? What's the deal with the soul patch? The only Ghostbusters old and infirmed. 
I think that it's alienating to that audience more so than it would be today. If you put the same show out today, I think it does much, much, much better. But I think it was truly, for lack of a better term, way ahead of its time. And also, to a certain degree, kind of quaint with its inclusivity because people still make fun of Captain Planet and stuff, even though I think it's hugely important because you made fun of Captain Planet when it was current. But now you look at stuff and you have organic inclusivity. And that's what's important is that those kind of shows and brands had to suffer for us to basically have, oh, have Dan's spooky hand in the background. Ooh. I hope you edit this. Edit uh, but, you know, you had to have those ancestors, if you will suffer so they had to walk up the snow into school each day blah blah so that the new kids could have it so lucky and just be organically you know not shitty those proton packs paved the way man mm-hmm. yeah so i mean they're, they're great episodes and the fact that at least we have 40 episodes and then of course the last two as a reunion yeah with the, the real ghostbusters the real ghostbusters frank come back fucking welker comes back to play race stance are you kidding me Ugh, fucking Coulier. And Coulier came back, but I, I mean, hate his something. voice. He's so he's bad. He's so bad as Venkman. He's like the worst part of the original show. He's like, I'm going to do a vocal caricature of Bill Murray. I'm going to sound like this every time I can. It's like I swallowed Casey Kasem. You know how when you talk, when you're about to yawn, you're like, <laughs> that's what that, he sounds yeah. like to me. <laughs> It bounces back and forth. It's that over caricature and yes, yawn voice. And it's awful. Yeah. If Casey Kasem did yawn voice, that's what it sounds like. I agree with that. Yes. I just thought it sounded like Bill Murray and uh, Caddyshack. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, Carl sounded less like a mongoloid. Well, okay, and to be fair, Uncle Joey's like the worst character on Full House. Like, we don't even need Uncle Joey. Like, he's just the weirdo that's like living in the basement. Why is he there? I don't get him. Like, Jesse's there because he's the uncle, but why is Joey? Like, come on. (laughs) Why is Joey? There's a reason he hasn't really done anything since, right? Yeah. Oh, just is he still on that Fuller House show? I is he? I don't know. I stopped after like five episodes. Yeah, that's that's just called Cringer House. Well, Stephanie had like her boob job, right? And so she, her boobs are out like all season one. And then I guess they started covering her up because they were trying to be wholesome. And then Aunt Becky went to jail. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So, For like a we- day, though, for committing <laughs> fraud. How I mean, white collar. For a while there, she was methany tanner. So, I mean, oh it's not God. so clean. Well, now she's in Hallmark movies. So there. <laughs> But, you know, there is there's nostalgia with this one still, too. If you enjoy the original, I don't see why you wouldn't enjoy this one. Yes, the characters are different, but it's because the Ghostbusters are old now and new ones have to come. Like if some, if we're going to keep fighting, you know, Ghostbusting, we have to make room for new people. It's not like a complete re- reimagining like Adam's favorite 2016 film. <laughs> Oh, no, these Ghostbusters are geriatric. They're 40 years old. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Which is another thing. And then I guess uh, the, somebody had made a comment. I was reading that um, the real Ghostbusters, when they come back, they're slower and they're not as good as they used to be. And this is that. I'm like, oh, my God. And that was reminiscent of that article that Adam sent about what Bill Murray was saying about how he was so uncomfortable filming Afterlife. And I'm like, is Bill Murray ever going to not complain about doing Ghostbusters? No. He is such a whiner. Seriously, like millions of dollars, motherfucker. Like, just let it go. Let it go. Oh, man. But yeah, I this show and I got to say, like the first 
half of real Ghostbusters, both so ahead of their time. They they just both were solid shows that I'm really glad we revisited. And if I may, I'd like to talk about the production company just briefly, which is Adelaide Productions. So they are a subsidiary of Sony and they had done other shows like exactly like this, where it's like slight variation, extrapolation, expansion, right? Jumanji, they did 40 episodes of. Godzilla, they did 40 episodes of. Men in Black, they did 53 episodes of. Dilbert. That animation, very similar. Very similar. The the one that was different was they did the Starship Troopers uh, Roughnecks, and that had 36 mm. episodes and then four clip shows. So that kind of 40 number followed them with a lot that they did. And I don't know if that was just like the plan or what, because they, this show did have some success. Like Adam had mentioned, the, the toys were really marketable. They even had a light gun game come out for PlayStation 1. They had Game Boy Advance game. The PlayStation 1 game is the weirdest fucking thing in the world to me. It came out, what is it, seven years after the show was canceled and four years after the PS2 had debuted. It was a PS1 light game. Bizarre. But it had a fan base. It's not, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos on it. It's not good. But the fact is, is it's like there was still an audience for this brand. Because with the PS1, you could have just done, all right, here's Ghostbusters. You don't see them. You're shooting the gun. It's just the things. But they branded it for this, probably cheaper, but you know what I mean. Yeah, they probably had it. And they're like, well, we got to get this out here sooner than later. So when's Christmas coming? They just kind of released it out, you know? You know, with Afterlife, Sony better take the ball and run with it because, like, they've got Spider-Man and they've got this and they need to make this franchise work because they could do so many things. There's so many things, topics that I'm saving for the video game episode because I think that's a big direction this franchise needs to keep going. Also, Adelaide Productions did the Spectacular Spider-Man show. Only had 26 episodes, but a slapper of an intro song. Wait, which one was that one? Spider-Man. It starts off and overheads and sinning webs. It's 2008. Spider-Man has a mole on his face. Oh, um, is that the one uh, Drake Bell? It's good. And it's played by one Josh Keaton plays Peter Parker. Michael Keaton would end up being the guy who's the dad of the girl who Spider-Man wants to fuck in Homecoming. He's a vulture and he was also almost Peter Vankman. I probably should have mentioned those other things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad somebody pays attention to my colorful asides. So want to get into those comics? Let's get into I those. guess so. There is so much to talk about. I have looked at every single issue of every single Ghostbusters comic and co-branded comic that has ever come out. I'm not going to say that I've read them all, but I've at least looked at the covers and you can always judge a book by its cover as the adage does decree. I'm going to mansplain to y'all. Some facts. So we have two different things with the real Ghostbusters. Both call themselves the real Ghostbusters, mind you. You had the Marvel UK series that went on for 193 issues plus four annuals. But then at the same time, contemporaneous there too, you also had Now Comics. And Now Comics was releasing them separate and apart. They only went for 40 issues, but the structure of them was so similar that not only did they share covers, they also shared stories. They also shared like the blurbs in the back of the comic. Everything was very synergistic between these. And also, like I had referenced, some evidence of some of the ideas being put into the cartoon show and so forth. Adam's finger is up. When did those run? 
at the same time as the real Ghostbusters. They're all branded. Every one of the comics this time was branded based on the real Ghostbusters. Okay. I will get into some stuff that was branded with the original guys, but that is not necessarily comic book until the IDW stuff predominantly. Okay, I was going to ask if that was the same thing and if it just got rebranded to IDW or if this was separate. So yeah, it's separate. Now, okay, the US version, you know, 32 issues, two annuals, a 3D special. You had John Tobias of uh, what's that game you guys like? Oh, uh, 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 it's coming out next week. Hey, eh? what exactly? What, what is it? What is it? Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! <laughs> <laughs> Sonya Blade. <laughs> See, if I was a fat kid at a party, I'd be rubbing pizza all over me in the 90s. That's how it was. Every every party I went to, like the din 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 din, all the kids were pepperoni on their nipples. <laughs> How is it that the band Immortals does Mortal Kombat? You can't do it. It's not on brand. But anyway, irony. he worked on the U.S. version, which was by now James Van Hees, who uh, actually did the Fright Night comics, worked on the American version. Notable. uh, I think you guys are going to really like this. I'm pretty excited about this. So have you ever heard of Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning? Famously, these are the guys who relaunched Guardians of the Galaxy into the phenomenon do 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 that it is today they did the rebrand that started that all with star lord being at the helm star lord sucked before this i will tell you plainly i have read basically every star lord comic he's just like a space cop then they did this weird thing where he was like crash landed and his ship was like a sentient thing blah no fuck all that here drax boom groot rocket boom they did that they were the guys for the uk version for years and that was that, a solid run. Dude, the ensemble cast, it works so well. And what's, I think, very interesting about their work, and it's something that we have guys talking about later, is they all have an established voice, which I think makes all Ghostbusters content so much easier. They are such well-developed characters that when I read them, I read their voices. I know their subtext. I can read the text and add the inflection and stuff, and I think that makes it much more engaging to an audience. You better not be reading that like Uncle Joey. <laughs> Canonically, oh that's God. what Uncle Joey sounds like forever. Let's get into some of the weirdness, right? I have tons of stuff. Remember how I mentioned that they shared comic book covers? Well, UK Ghostbusters was trying to scrape by to get to issue 200 desperately. The last comic to have an original cover for them was 186. They started recycling their covers from thereafter until they were ultimately canceled. So, for instance, issue two becomes 187, 19 to 198, 89, 25 gets used as 188. It keeps going. They just keep reusing. And it's the same cover. They don't recolor it. They don't change anything. One thing I did find really interesting as the guy who's kind of obsessed with dinosaurs. Uh, was that? You, you didn't think I was, I was not going to mention dinosaurs? So they had a cover that had uh, the last issue of the American version was actually a, an issue that was also used in UK. because They fuck up the joke. There's a good joke in the original where he it's Venkman saying that if they don't stop the ghost in the T-Rex, it's going to be Bon Appetit for him. But then they change it on the British cover to say that this guy is prehistory, but he is in a victimized position. So it doesn't make sense that he's making a bold threat and assertion there, too. That doesn't make sense. But I'm going to move on. There's a bunch of dinosaur stuff. There's actually a dinosaur character, which is pretty cool. And there's uh, they even make their own dinosaur. I don't know if I mentioned that. Did I mention that? 
I think I remember that seeing yeah, that it's, at some uh, point. Spico Roles de Numale. That's the name of the they just call him Spike though. And he is being hunted Thank by God. the zombie T-Rex Nertog. Yes, I did go into everything. My favorite cover of all of the now comics is issue eleven. There's the demon Astaroth sitting on a nuclear warhead that is about to be bludgeoned with a hammer by one Slimer as Egon and Rega wah. And I just love the idea that nuclear war is fun. <laughs> uh, well, and speaking of covers, um, I think my favorite one that I remember seeing was uh, that one where it has all the Ghostbusters and Janine and Slimer, and they're pulling the, the page of the comic and looking at all the ghosts on there. You remember that? They're like right in the corner. Oh, absolutely. There's uh, another great cover. It would be issue one uh what was uh 48 is a parody of the original fantastic four cover uh, instead of the human torch you actually get a recolored slimer uh, it's delightful i would highly check it out uh, what's funny enough is the guy who does the idw comics says that if he could do any crossover in the world what he would like to do is ghostbusters meets fantastic four which it's actually possible now though because they're not burying fantastic four because fox owns it dude egon and reed those conversations, my God. Oh, well, his actual so idea science-y. was that they would hate each other, which I think is very Ooh. interesting. I think way more antagonistic. But then, like, imagine Ben Grimm and Ray Stance having or Ben Grimm and Winston Zedmore being like, what the fuck are these nerds talking about? Yeah, they'd be uh, smashing pissers. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Another great cover would have to be uh, issue what is this? 118 of the UK version. It's basically monsters as the Ghostbusters. You have Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the mummy, and uh, the Wolfman, and they're hunting the Ghostbusters. Yeah, the unreal Ghostbusters, as they call them. But there are a ton of great covers. I'm not going to inundate you with just talking about that. They did a bunch of anthologies that would include stuff. The Marvel it's wicked series in england was a continue it was anthology but it actually had new content as well so there was some short ghostbusters content there and i guess i'll move on to the next one this is something that's amazing and i think you all need to invest in this it is ghostbusters meet the laser ghosts have you ever heard of this they did no they did two storybooks with cassettes it was they meet the laser ghosts and they meet the ghost writers you can actually find it was a Peter Pan's book that was published in 1985. You can find it on YouTube where it has somebody doing the pages and the cassette is playing. It has the worst voice acting I've ever heard in my life, hurt my scrot, but it has a visual depiction of the original cast of Ghostbusters on a very trite little adventure, but it's just kind of cool to see that it exists. Hmm. Shall I move on again? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, now you're making me anxious to look at these eBay prices on here and see what the price are. <laughs> you want to get fucked up on eBay, you should look oh, at no. these ones. Trio chocolate bars from Europe. A toffee biscuit, if you will. They put out mini Ghostbusters comic books in a little package. If you get an unsealed one, it's actually quite expensive. They had six issues, which was the new recruit. Ah, ah. your fucking thing is not the first one. Castle Capers, Halloween, Movie Madness get taken for a ride in electrical shop shocks and it's a choose your own adventure comic book oh, man i'm gonna yeah. spend so much money on fucking ghostbusters shit this year crazy with research how big are they very uh, you small. know and and that's the thing is that i went crazy with my research and jake just always has to win on me yeah i do it's a uh, compulsion that i have anyway ghostbusters legion by 88 miles per hour studios 
Who are these fucking guys? How did they negotiate this? And where did they go? Because they were supposed to put out a trade paperback with these and they just didn't. So this is actually probably the most expensive comics that you can get easily now because all the real Ghostbusters and stuff are on PDF you know, online in tons of places. So their trade value has decreased pretty significantly. But these have gone up because it's such a small circulation. Your client base is so small. So if you can get those, it's pretty cool because it's actually based on the movie. They completely disregard the real Ghostbusters. So you even get like Venkman calling Slimer a spud and they never refer to him as Slimer. And they actually had a Zedmore Factor convention exclusive, which features the joke about the atomic weight of cobalt. Oh, uh-huh. 58.9. Shall I go on? I think I will. <laughs> Have you heard about Ghost Busted? No. Nada. You know how Doug was just talking about anime, bukkake, and manga and all that is stuff? Is it something dirty? Is it porn? It's no, porn, it's just a manga. It's actually kind of wow. cool. It's like 190 pages or whatever. It was released by Tokyo Pop, and there's a bunch of different artists that worked on it. Uh, but it, it's kind of cool that it exists. They do reference Ray Parker Jr. is in this comic. He's Ooh. in a picture, and uh, Bill Murray Venkman makes a joke about not knowing who he is. But the art style is very just traditional manga, black and white. The cover is very bland. It's not very rich substance. It's just kind of cool to see it in a different depiction. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Then there's Ghostbusters The Return, a 2004 novel that is completely not canonical. Suck it, Sholly Fish. Terrible name. Tobin's Spirit Guide. Have you heard of this? Mm hmm. So it's referenced in Ghostbusters, and they actually made it because we have to merchandise everything. It was written by Eric Burnham, who is now the writer of the IDW series that's gone on for like a decade. So good for him. It's kind of cool. Now, was this the one that got released with the Abomination? in 2016 or was there another uh, version because i if so i didn't know this existed so they actually have multiple versions that have been released of it that's a, but no it was 2016 shit. so there's different editions you can get kyle holes did the penciling for it and there's some extra stuff you can get some of the art is actually copied and pasted page to page in a couple of them so you just have to kind of look for quality mm, control check the reviews the next stuff is ghostbusters with idw which started in 2008 peter david wrote the sam Hain story peter david hugely famous comic book writer the hulk spider-man uh, he wrote one of my favorite comic book series of all time which is the son genisvel of marvel the original captain marvel for marvel and it talks about basically he gets the powers of a god and unmakes existence and has an existential crisis and we're all we cease to exist momentarily which is pretty sweet so he wrote that and that's when dan shonig became the artist and he's just been doing it since and that dude fucking rips it he does a great job of making something his own that's like enough. But what he said, and here's what I think you're going to appreciate. Aid, I see you nodding your head. You're going to nod much harder in a couple seconds here. Because what he said was he did not caricature the depictions of them. He characterized their personality. And I think that shows more than anything. So much so. And honestly, that art style, it is why I'm kicking myself that I haven't picked it up yet. Uh, it, it's gorgeous. His stylization is some of the best out there right now. I It's iconic. I have not read it, but I can just see it all in my mind right now. Yeah, what's really sad. So he did the TMNT crossovers and some of the other crossover work. And when you see his amazing art and then you see it like it goes to back to the Ninja Turtles universe, you're like, wow, the IDW Ninja Turtles comic looks like shit comparatively. 
I remember uh, Ultimate Spider-Man had a lot of instances like that where you'd get like some good, I think it was Bendis doing some stuff and uh, just, yeah. When you recede into another comic whose art style just isn't as good, it's, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I do have to give credit to Luis Antonio Delgado, who is the inker, because I it seems very clearly to me a digital inking style. It is very colorful throughout. Everything's mm. saturated and luminescent. Uh, the stuff with the ghost or the uh, Ninja Turtles is fantastic. I'm going to keep going, so I don't know why I'm stopping. Did you know they crossed over with X-Files? Because they did, but they don't do Mulder and Scully because that's boring. You know who they get? Jake's favorite part of the X-Files, well, except for Julian Anderson, <laughs> uh, the Lone Gunman, and that's a delightful little jaunt. Basically, the Lone Gunmen get a an anonymous tip from the future, and they go to investigate the Ghostbusters, almost like Walter Peck did with his old EPA bullshit. And in doing so, they let out a ghost, and they have a little quick adventure, and then they never see each other again. Now, this is in the IDW as well? Correct. It's during <laughs> it's what fantastic. they call the road trip. Because then from there, the lone gunman, if I'm not mistaken, go to like Ninja Turtles. They keep going from mm. different series they did. There was a Mars Attacks crossover, which is actually kind of interesting. It is space ghosts, but they are not coast to coast. Uh. <laughs> so the, the War of the Worlds broadcast reaches Mars. They translate it like, we're going to get this Heracles Holloway guy. And they come to Earth. They get hit with an asteroid. They try to self-destruct. They fail. They crash. They die. And then the cable repair company is digging. They wake up the ghost. They call the Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters come. They catch the ghosts. One of the ghosts escapes, gets in the spaceship, turns it on, and then the self-destruct works and they blow up. And the last panel shows that there's there's one sneaky little Martian in the background. So we could do another crossover someday. Now, see, the question is, in that comic, did they, uh, did they, did they bring the Ray Fry guns? Because I can imagine the Ray Fry guns and the proton packs kind of, you know, the proton oh, yeah. packs don't turn people into skeletons when you touch them. You know? <laughs> yeah. There's actually some great fan art of like, uh, you know, one of the Martians back to back with a Ghostbuster shooting at stuff. And it's a pretty cool effect because imagine you're holding it with the proton or the Neutrona one and then you get zapped with the front. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good business. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and wrap this up because I know nobody likes to hear me talk about comics as evidenced by our two-parter on Marvel Zombies, which is some of the lowest rated content we've ever put out that I worked the hardest on. I loved it. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sure you got the fans up there, but for other people, if you go away with one thing from Ghostbusters, it's uh, here's an old army term. It's called blowing Casper, you know, and you're driving at the wheel and you're falling asleep, you know, you're just going like, Huh? <laughs> That's called blowing Casper. So it's like, what do you do? You tell, tell the person who's driving, say, what are you doing? Wake up. What are you doing? Blowing Casper. So oh, that's better than blowing Ackroyd. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> who was in Casper? All right. All right. All right. We had the crossover with the real Ghostbusters. We had Transformers, Ghostbusters, Ghosts of Cybertron. They crossed over with Charles Dickens, and then they did the crossing over event, which is where you had Extreme Ghostbusters, you had 2016, you had the OG, you had the comics, and they all converge and do a crossover event. So that, in a nutshell, if you're going to read the comics, the Marvel stuff, the Now stuff are basically the same thing. They're virtually interchangeable. Nothing really stands out. There are no great character moments. There are no redeeming elements. But then you, you go to the IDW. That's truly, like I think, just the fucking best. The characters are incredibly well written. You read it in their style. And what's great is you get like awesome moments. So like Winston gets saved by the Ninja Turtles. And that's such a trite thing because the Ninja Turtles are saving people all the time. Winston takes his sergeant emblems from when he was a Marine 
and takes them and gives them to Leonardo to say that you're a hero. You saved my life. Thank you. He salutes him and does an oorah, which, you know, it might seem contrived because you're like, oh, I get it, whatever. But no, like that's a, like an essential part of the character that was completely ripped away that would have added so much depth. So now you get something that would have been like otherwise kind of tawdry, like, oh, it's we're just going to put these branded contents together and see what happens versus like it was so good it merited a sequel. In fact, they still want to do a threequel so that they can get the Ghostbusters in the Turtleverse. So there is substance there. And what's cool is like the fan base is what's kept that alive. Like IDW stopped the ongoing series and now they just keep doing events, which I think is much more palatable. I feel like Winston got the Boba Fett treatment as to where he got a lot more awesome stuff to do on the page than on the screen. 100%. Absolutely agree with that. Even in the cartoons or excuse me, in the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. You know, I mean, between the comics and the real Ghostbusters, Winston was a real hero throughout. And it's like when I read that about them just wanting to make him the driver. Oh, dude, mm, he's always been just such a great character. And uh, the comics are really great for it. And it's also great because all the comics, including, you know, we'll go to the extreme Ghostbusters and everything. it's much more inclusive. It's much more progressive. Because I think that's the one thing we kind of looked back on, especially with Ghostbusters. One is you're taking the only person of color and you're subjugating them. You're taking the best lines and you're giving them to other people. That was something that was hugely frustrating to all of us. And I think that, that that's just, you know, it, it is what is. We can't change it with that. But we can add new things and we can try and you know, supplant what should have been. And, you know, it's never going to unring the bell of what you could argue is you know, significant marginalization. But we get cool Winston stuff. Yeah, fans just supplementing the content and making it all better. Oh, and IDW, they'll do very often. They'll include fans and stuff in the background, splash pages and stuff. And yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Dan Schoening does that. Really red. Really red. That's all I have. I I have more I could go into. I can go into specific story arcs. So if you want, shoot us an email, slasherspot at gmail.com. And if I have the time, I will absolutely belabor you to death. And you'll go, God, I am exhausted. And I will go, yes, I have a never-ending amount of energy to talk about comics nobody wants to read. So I'd be remiss if I did not send it over to myself when I did an interview with Jason Yashannon, the star of One Poultry Geist, and the writer of The Mysterious Happenings at Two Morning View. That's right. I was guilt-ridden after I failed to mention, or rather crowbar in to our Poultry Geist episode last month, that Mr. Yashannon, or Jason, because we're best friends now, had written a book. And so I rectified that by having him on the show. So check it out! This is Slashers, or at least the interview portion of the show. I'm still not entirely sure how to introduce. My name is Jake, and with me is my new best friend, Jason. I'm going to fuck up the name because I've heard 15 different pronunciations, so go for it. Everyone does. Let's hear it. Yakinen. Wrong. Thought so. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. Yashannon. Yashannon. That sounds so much... It's weird because it's a C-H and not an S-H, right? Sounds very French and seductive. Yashannon. Yashannon. I don't know why something about Czechoslovakia, like the C-H makes an S-H. I'm um, into I it. I, I can't speak another language. I wish I could, but uh, yeah, I, right. can speak, I can only speak English. Unfortunately, we so. don't have the distributorship to be sponsored by Rosetta Stone, but if that ever happens, I will <laughs> totally send you my free subscription to learn whatever you want. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What would I want to learn? I think Italian. I'm half Italian, half Czechoslovakian. Right on. I think. Yeah, Italian, maybe. 
So yeah. you get hockey and pizza, my two favorite fucking things. That's awesome. Wait, why hockey? Oh, because Czechs are amazing at hockey. You should. Are they? Oh, See, my I fucking God. I didn't know dude. that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Euroleague, okay. they're great. We have a bunch of them over here in NHL. So, yeah. You, you might even guy? have a Shannon in the NHL now that I think about Wouldn't it. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be pretty sweet. Are you sweet. a big hockey fan? I really like basketball. I grew up playing hockey, and so that was my thing. Good. And like, what frustrates me about basketball, the mechanics are great. Like, it seems really fun. But the volume starts to exhaust me because, like, can you tell me the 31st point of a game? I could tell you every goal of the last 10 games that I've seen. So it becomes a volumes game. Oh, I see. I mean, I don't I don't play. I just I really like watching it. Yeah. And it's I, dynamic. Think, I think for my attention span, I like the back and forth. Yeah, for sure. You know, just boom, 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 boom. Now, let's mix the two. Let's say we have basketball where people can bludgeon each other. I think that's the best of all worlds, right? <laughs> Right. Hockey, I can't I can't keep track of where the goddamn puck is. Yeah. I'm like, where the fuck is it? Like, that's why I kind of don't not that I don't like it. I do like I think it's pretty entertaining to watch with all the fighting and stuff like that. But I but I don't know who has the puck. Yeah, you know it's I mean? exhausting like, for sure. I'm like looking over there and they're like, there's a gold on them. <laughs> do you remember in the 90s they had the laser? For so briefly in the 90s, they would track the puck with like a like a, a trail of like blue light or red light so that people could see because oh. the definition on your TV was so shit back then. And now everything's in super mega HD where I could see the pores on somebody's nose so I could see the <laughs> puck. But I kind of liked the laser. I'm not going to lie. The players couldn't see the laser. Only the only the fans could see the laser. Yeah, the viewing audience at home. People are probably listening. Like, that that idiot. No, the players can't see the laser. <laughs> that would be so fucking sweet, though, right? Imagine that work comp claim. Like, I, I went blind in my eyes because of a puck laser. <laughs> so did you know I'm from? Well, OK, I'm going to give something away. I'm from Cleveland originally. Yes, right? you, you know went to uh, college in Ohio at Baldwin Wallace University. Although when we get to my book, I'm basically giving it away. I changed the location just, you know, just to kind of like. I don't know, keep it on the DL, but it's like you could figure this stuff out by Googling me, right? Yeah. Like two seconds. Like, Luckily, oh, you have a there. very unique name, so much so that I know the name of your cockatiel, uh, Ernie. Yeah, wait, here. He's in his cage. Right? There Can we you go. see him in there? Yeah. Oh, so Cleveland had, I don't think we have a, um, I don't know. See, I don't know hockey if it's triple A or what is it? What's minor league hockey? Is it just minor league hockey? So there's AHL, there's ECHL. So there's a few different ones. Well, we had for a while in the 90s when I was growing up, the Cleveland Lumberjack, and now we have the Lake Erie Monsters. They have some amazing third jerseys. They did one where they were Captain you, America you know a few the years Lake ago. Erie Monsters? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, my favorite stuff is minor league, so I'm a huge okay. AHL guy. So, you know, you got your Chicago Wolves and you got your Griffins and everything. And so, yeah, you guys have the coolest superhero jerseys I've ever seen for superhero night. I mean, I know we have the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, which is the NHL team, but yeah. I've... Not from Columbus. So Boo, get out of here with Columbus. Uh, <laughs> named after a rapist. Get out of here. <laughs> so anyways, we got really, really far off. That's the whole point of podcasting, man. Cool. So okay. this whole interview came to be because, like I said, I obviously researched the shit out of you when we did the Poultry Geist episode. And I've often said on this show that I could write a book about the stuff I failed to fucking mention. And so I owe you a an apology. I did you a disservice by not mentioning your book, which I had a fucking paragraph and a half of notes about before I even prepped this interview. So I was so like let down by myself. I reached out. You got back to me like that. We scheduled like this and we're here today. Boom. Boom. And before we start, I have a disclaimer. Please do. I want to throw out there. Okay. Because I, I don't want anyone to think, oh, listen to this guy's. 
such a, he's whining about this and he's complaining about that. Everything we talk about is all pre-COVID-19, pre-2020. I know there's a lot of real serious stuff going down. I don't want anyone to think this fucking guy is so insensitive. He's whining about his book when there's people like dying and stuff like that. Of course. Everything is all before that. I just kind of wanted to throw that out there so that people weren't like, this guy's a real jackass. Like, It's huge. I mean, you're in business for yourself in a bunch of industries that have been affected from COVID, right? You Although also, I think they're all coming back. I think they're exactly. all they're coming back. They're coming back. But so I 2020 just was purgatory for you, basically, right? I mean, 2020 was, was an, it was a, it's, it was strange. It was such a hard year, but so many, this is going to sound so bad. It was a really hard year, but other, a lot of other good things came out of it. There you go. My wife and I adopted a little girl. Beautiful. My book came out. Exactly. So, I mean, there were some, there were some real pluses. I mean, there was, you know, the negatives outweighed the pluses, but you know, I'm, I, I just want people to know that I'm not lost to the fact that, you know, this is some serious stuff. And yes, I'm going to be talking about acting and writing and the struggles of that. I know there's other real struggles out there, but this was all before that. I promise. Perfect. Promise. You don't owe these fucks an apology. You just swing your okay. big dick along. We're going to get into this together. So let's medium, start. Medium size. Medium, medium size. size. <laughs> depending on the metric or standard units, right? Now, you let's start with one career at a time because you have okay. like 15 of them. So let's start with acting. You get a, a BA yes. in theater. You like acting. What's up with that? Where, where's your next step with this? Let me tell you about how my journey started. Let's just start there. Okay. My journey. Started with a feature film uh, that was seen by thousands of people who were vomiting all over themselves. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So after I graduated school, 2003, I said to myself, okay, I'm going to New York City. It was either New York City or California, yep. which is where I know you are right now, right? Exactly. Well, everyone who graduated before me, my friends from school, they all moved to New York City. So when I graduated, I went there because I didn't know anyone out in LA. Of course. So came out to Manhattan and really just, I know it sounds cliche, but kind of did what you kind of see in every movie, right? Got a crappy restaurant job, right? Yeah. And started auditioning. Now this was before, this was before um, Instagram, Facebook, all the social media, I mean, I had a black and white headshot at this time, right? Oh, yeah. Six. Where, <laughs> where uh, you know, then they moved to color. Now, I don't even think you probably don't even need a headshot. You probably do like a 3D rendering so that Disney <laughs> could graft your face onto <laughs> you some know, CGI I, monster. But so this was back when like the black and white headshots were the thing. And um, there was a publication. And if there's some fellow actors listening called uh, Backstage. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it came out every... Thursday, I think Tuesday or Thursday. And it was a newspaper. I mean, it was a straight up like newspaper yeah. that had all class auditions, yeah. all the auditions in there. And so basically what I was doing was working my crappy busboy job and every week going through the auditions and just really submitting myself to anything that fit kind of my type, yeah. right? Which is even now is usually when I get called in for something, it's for the IT guy, the computer guy, the sound you know, guy. Sound, sound guy. Blood, Blue, yeah. yeah. Blue bloods with sound guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is so funny. Cause I'm so horrible at all of those things. <laughs> yeah, right. like, You're like, what's I technology? Like, this is weird. All right, wait a minute. When you send me the zoom link, what do I do with it? I- <laughs> <laughs> so, but so basically I would go through that newspaper every week and just find 
stuff and some, you know, mail, mail, not email, mail my black and white headshot with a little <laughs> cover letter. Oh, yeah. You know? And uh, and that's how I landed on Poultry Guys. Going through, there was an ad, uh, you know, we're looking with a horror film, um, looking for like a guy, like a, uh, like a kind of a nerdy guy who ends up being the hero in the end. It paid a little bit. It was it was non-union because at the time I was not in uh, the Screen Actors Guild. SAG-AFTRA. So I just mailed my headshot in. And a couple of weeks later, someone called me. Uh, his name is Matt. And he actually has his own casting company now. Cool. Good for him. So I've gone in for him a couple of times. Uh, but he's the one who called me. They're, at this time, their offices were still in Hell's Kitchen. Okay. I think they're in Queens now. They are in Queens. They moved. Yeah. So I went in and, uh, you know, after nine callbacks, landed the role of Arby. And so that was my first, it wasn't my first paying acting gig, but it was my first film yeah. gig when I moved to Manhattan. And it was my first introduction to trauma because I had not heard of them before that. And it, man, was I in for a <laughs> Yeah. Little innocent yeah. kid from Ohio goes to the big city and ends up watching a guy <laughs> shit a chicken out of his dick. That's the American dream. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I remember the like, eighth callback or the ninth callback, there was a guy who's went in before me and he leaves and, uh, and I go in there and I was like, yeah, how you doing? How you doing? And they're like, well, you don't have to get naked. The last guy just did, but you don't have to do that. I was like, okay, I'm not going to. <laughs> thanks for no thanks. What the hell am I getting myself into? But, um, so yeah. So funny thing is when I told my brother that I had gotten this, I was like, yeah, I got this movie. Um, some something called trauma entertainment. He he lost it. He yeah. knew exactly what that was, and he was like, "Oh my god, you got one of their movies? Haven't you ever heard of you know Toxic Avenger or Sergeant Kabuki Man?" And I said, "No, <laughs> should I? Should I have?" <laughs> but that's kind of how I got Poultry Dice. Was old. It was old school back yeah. then. Got that newspaper, you know, circled them. And does anything in this say it's also a musical, or is it just a horror movie to you? I think in the audition breakdown, it did say, um, you know, should should be able to sing. And and actually at the audition, at the initial audition, uh, they did have you sing acapella. I sang Summer 69. Yeah, sexy yeah. songs. Yeah. Yeah. This rampant animal magnetism coming from you, my friend. That's a great song for it. Right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But then actually the thing about the music side of it is we actually recorded it all in a sound booth recording studio in Manhattan. And then when we filmed it, which we filmed it in Buffalo, they just played it back and we left uh, lip sync. Oh, you Millie Vanillied it. Yes, we did. Thank God, because I never would have been able to do it. <laughs> Think about it. How many takes you do? Oh, it's awful. Yeah. This didn't work. The lighting was wrong. Uh, the We ran out of film because he shoots on 35 millimeter. Maybe someone listening might find that interesting uh, that he still does that, which is a very rare thing. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Everything's yeah. digital now. Actually, I, I just interviewed Richard W. Haynes, who directed Class of Newcomb High, and he's a big film historian and he's a preserver of actual tangible film. And that's actually what got him out of the film industry uh, was the fact of the switch to digital. Really? Yeah. Really? Okay. So 35 millimeter is the black and white headshot of oh, the camera, yes, right? Exactly. It's, okay. <laughs> Great. Great <laughs> so analogy. There we go. <laughs> so, so they would say they actually played everything back. And yeah, we just lip sang. Which was good because singing's not not really my forte. I mean, I can carry a tune. Yeah. Am I auditioning for any Broadway shows or operas? No. Okay. Uh, 
I have done a few musicals in my professional career, but they've all been the same musical, which nice. uh, was the Buddy Holly story. I don't but know you play the familiar. drummer. But see, that's the thing. Cheater, cheater. The so, so it's that's a very hard track to find someone who can play the drums and can like carry a tune well enough to like harmonize with yeah. everyone else. I mean, it's like oohs and ahs, basically. Yeah. So you know, I, you know, so I don't consider you have to be like a real singer to pull that track off. The drumming is more important. There were probably times when I was not even <laughs> singing, yeah, right. and just like moving my mouth while I'm playing the drum. Uh, you know, but um. So yeah, so the the singing part, I'm glad we did do that, not in front of everyone because it, it's I'm not as comfortable. I'll just say that with singing. But um, oh, plus, you're also stripping in certain parts of the film. And, right, right. Yeah, I mean, and, there's uh, a lot to handle. I mean, that's your adolescence <laughs> on film for everyone to see forever. Is it cringy or is it exciting that you get to be that like antagonistic? Like, yes, this is the folly of my youth. But also, it made me money, and you can see my butthole right here. <laughs> I think, I think, I think the like the pinnacle of that was when my oh, my whole family came from Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's showing on the big screen. Oh no! You know the big screen. It's my first like movie premiere. I've got my aunts and my uncles, and then there's my asshole with a zombie finger getting shoved into it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they were all still very proud of me. They're That's very beautiful. Very proud of you, Jason. So yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's how Poultry Geist came about was the old pounding the pavement of, uh, you know, the backstage and the black and white headshot mail out. And yeah. And now, so we were talking about this before we started. You went from a young Lloyd Kaufman and now you've aged up to a young Gary Oldman. Uh, what's the secret I get that behind your beautiful time. youth? I, okay, I get that all the time. I don't see it. What I don't the see fuck? It. <laughs> I Bro, I have you seen your own IMDb? You look exactly like him, but like, way younger like you don't look like old man old man you look like young old man um okay i'm gonna have to look at it now because i have I, I have to pull up a picture of him because i've gotten that before yeah i guess that's not a bad i mean that's not a bad thing i'll He's take a good it good looking guy you just, you know, what uh, you should do is just wait for the inevitable reboot of every fucking thing he's ever done and be like oh fifth element right over here <laughs> that's i forgot he was in that yeah fifth element wow yeah yeah it, it's funny when we were shooting the scene with Lloyd in the basement. Remember when we're like, oh, I love it, dancing. I just kept thinking <laughs> to myself, so oh my god, this is what I'm gonna look like here. This is what I'm. This is the. <laughs> so then you're like, I absolutely not. I have to open a gym and become I, fit yeah, forever. I, I'm telling you, as an actor, right? I've always had a lot of side gigs. See, even now, it's not so much a side gig. My wife and I do own a uh, a gym out on the Jersey Shore, um, which Next is to great Tromaville. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great because it allows, you know, certain flexibility for auditioning and this and that uh, instead of like, oh, can you cover my shift? I've got an audition, you know, oh, which yeah. is which is a lot of, you know, what what I was kind of doing in the city. Exercise really kind of became a big part of my life. I was doing a off-Broadway production of Our Town. Do you do you know Our oh, Town? Our did no, you actually have a set or was it the, the high school musical version where it's a bunch of kids <laughs> miming with shovels and shit? We didn't have a set until the very last there scene. You that, go. Was, that was the <laughs> that was kind of the little hidden uh, hidden theater magic. All of a sudden, when she goes back to visit, she's like dead and she comes back. Uh-huh. They open up and, and we actually cook bacon on the it was actually a really cool production. I it like was it. the long it was the longest running production of our town ever. Wow. And I mean ever, even even when it was on Broadway. And a lot of a lot of big names played the stage manager. Uh, Helen Hunt was in it for a time. 
Uh, Michael Shannon was in it for a time. But so not yet in it. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we'd have this rotating like star play the stage manager. Hell yeah. And then I, I had the shittiest I had was one of the paper boys. I had like five lines. But uh Boyish where was youth. I going with <laughs> where was I? I was Cycrawl. Cycrawl. Okay. That was my character. All right. Where was I going with this? I was in a production of Sorry. Inherit the Wind, and all I was was the newspaper boy as well, even though I was like well into my twenties, and I was like, This is bullshit. This is bullshit. <laughs> I don't look that young. Have you seen my forehead? It's bullshit. <laughs> What's wrong with your forehead? It's huge. No, no. You got this cool swoop in the... I like it. I like Thank the swoop. You. Um, where was I going with the art town story? I mean, people are probably like, this guy... You talk about a- your monetization because then you have the perspirology coming out of that and your freedom of oh, work. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. So I was in art town for two years. I mean, it was the longest running production of it. So when you're in a show that long, you get vacation time. And so my wife and I, at the time, I had never been to Disney World. Okay. And she said, oh, we should go to Disney World. That'd, that'd be great. I love it there. You're going to love it. You know, it's, I love all that animatronic Hell stuff. Hell yeah. You know? Hall of so, Presidents. So, yeah, so we went down there and um, she's a professional dancer. She's danced at like uh, Lincoln Center and she's toured the world dancing. She was actually uh, Shakira's personal trainer. Hell yeah. For a time. So, so her hips very, also don't lie. Is that what you're saying? They don't, not, not that I know of. They haven't lied yet. There uh, we go. <laughs> That's the only Shakira reference so, I have in my brain. So please don't go back to that. I can't top it. <laughs> so she so she said, let's go for a jog before we go into the park one day. I was like, all right, fine. Well, I'll go for a jog. I I couldn't do it. I made it. I didn't make it, actually. I went maybe halfway around wherever we were staying. And I I you ever run and you get like super itchy and red. Yep. So that's also the myself, air in Florida, as my co-host Adrian will say. It is okay. Okay, I'm going to blame it on the air in Florida, humidity, but yeah, as to why I couldn't run. But I was like, "Holy shit!" I didn't realize. Just kind of, I was not in good shape. I you were thin, in. but you weren't fit, and that's something a lot of people get confused, yes, right? Yes, yes. Okay, and so I thought, "Hmm, this is not good. I, I need to, I need to work on this." So Katie, my wife, Katie, kind of just came up with a thing for me to do during our town. Like I would between shows or before shows, I would do like, you know, whatever, I'd run up the stairs, I jumping yeah. Jack. You know. And then I just really kind of got into it. And you talk about my, my everlasting youth. I, I attribute it all to that exercise, exercise. That's, That's awesome. the secret. If anyone wants to know. And you actually did a commercial for your gym on YouTube and you swear and you play two different characters in it. I mean, is there anything more trauma than that of just like <laughs> getting down gritty with it, pumping something out, and then five people see it on the internet? That's exactly right, the trauma right. experience. Hello. <laughs> um, so yeah. So, uh, but so then that kind of like so that kind of the fitness kind of transitioned into okay. Well, I still want to be involved in acting. I just don't necessarily want to be doing these crappy side jobs. My wife was working at a very ritzy, very high-end fitness place. I was kind of in between jobs, between acting gigs. And we just thought, I think we could start our own thing. I still have access to the city. And that's kind of how that, I guess, uh, was born. Well, it's like people act like, you know, you hear people like Travis Barker who are like, I purposefully never had a backup plan because I knew I was going to make it or I was going to die. Fuck that. I love people who are practical and like, yes, 
I have tiers of success. Planning ahead gives you the ability to explore many things. So we can go into what uh, profession number fifty six. We have brewer. Was that one that I saw on the? What internet? was it? What was brewer? it? It's on your 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 LinkedIn, which I stalked as well. Brewer. It says oh, you're. Oh no 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 oh, no no. Because... That's my that's my agent. That's my agent's name. Okay, I thought you were okay. brewing alcohol, and I'm like, Jesus, oh, how the God. fuck does he have time for that too? No, no, no. So so okay. So basically, so all right. Where should I, because yes, I ha- I have seem to have a lot of different little outlets here and yeah. there. But as far as the, I never wanted the, the attitude of, well, I never was going to have a backup plan because I knew I was going to make it. And I knew that if, if I had take, maybe I should have taken that approach. Had I, had I taken that approach, I probably would be homeless right now because, you know, I, the acting work that I have done has not been sustainable enough to yeah. make a living. Uh, I don't know if you, Actually, just today, it's so funny. I I posted on my um uh on my Instagram page just today. So uh my Blue Bloods episode that I shot, I, I only had like one line, right? But I but I did get to have the scene with Tom Selleck. Which is huge. Tom which Selleck cool, is which a was god. Very, I mean which was very his cool. mustache is a god on its own. So it's like two gods. <laughs> which was which was very cool. But so I still get residual checks, right? Some of them are okay. Some of them are kind of decent. The one I got last week was for seven cents. Yes. <laughs> So today, which I did direct deposit today. Okay. Perfect. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I you have to do it. it. In fact, the, 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 uh, app that I use for the direct deposit made me do it twice. Cause it said, you we sure? think you, we think you put in the wrong amount. <laughs> did you mean like 70 cents? Yeah. Nope. Seven cents. Well, doesn't the average SAG actor make less than 10 grand acting a year? I mean, and when you offset by like people who make millions, that shows you how a lot of actors don't make a significant amount of money year to year. Is is that the average? I didn't actually know that. Yeah. Um, well, so, <clears throat> so I'll transition then. And I don't know if you want me to transition Please. into this, but how my book came about. Hell yeah. And this, and this is where I don't want your listeners to be like, this guy, what a whiny Peddle your shit. Bitch, I'm telling up. you to do it. So Blue Bloods was maybe the last thing I kind of did before I started noticing kind of just like a decline in auditions, bookings. I don't know. I don't know why. I have my conspiracy theories. I'm not that great at social media. I feel like I need to get better at it. I feel yeah. like social media kind of replaced the send in your headshot and, you know, wait for a call or, which is bad. I mean, I should be more proactive, which I'm attempting to be, but well, they want you, you know. to do the legwork for marketing their shit. They want you to have a built-in audience of however many people I've seen that tons and tons of times where people get, get shots just because of their acclaim, not because of their merit. So that, I think that's true. I don't think that's a so, conspiracy. Okay, good. Uh, good. Uh, so I was expecting some tinfoil hat shit where you were going to be like, the government's trying to put their finger in my butt because they're jealous of that zombie that put his finger in my butt. <laughs> That'd probably be more entertaining, but <laughs> so, uh, no, it's just, just the social media aspect. But yeah, I just noticed like, you know, I, like I still freelance with, with a couple agents, but that was kind of trailing off. And, and so I kind of got to a place where I was like, well, I need to do something. Yeah. I need to keep the creative juices flowing because if something is not working, right? Something just, you know, the universe said, okay, Jason, now's not your time. So instead of going to a little bit of a dark place, which I had found myself in, you know, I mean, if you're an actor and suddenly you're no longer acting, 
you start to question like, what am I doing? Yeah, what am I? Why am I? Who am I? Yeah. Why am I here? <laughs> you know, Are you there, so, God? It's me, Jason. <laughs> so that's where I was thinking to myself, okay, I need to find some sort of outlet. And that's kind of where the book started to take shape. That and three, I'm a big, I'm a big psychic visitor. My wife and I love going to see psychics. Right I on. love all that kind of stuff, you know, the spirit, the universe. Three different, three different psychics, one in a different state, two in New Jersey, all said to me, the cards look like you should be writing something. There have you, you ever go. Written it? Have you ever written anything? And I said, well, I mean, not really. I mean, I've written some sketches, you know, just some like little sketch comedy stuff here yeah. and there. I never did anything with it, but they're like, no, the cards are saying you should really write something. For like a year and a half, I kind of, ah, man, maybe they're right. Maybe the psychics are right. Should I write something? And then finally I decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm doing it. I don't care. Yeah. I was not the greatest student in the world. Not, not that I was a troublemaker. I'm, I'm not a troublemaker. I, re- I randomly came across a uh, letter from my guidance counselor in high school. Oh, okay, yeah. Who wrote to a college saying, don't judge Jason on his SAT scores and his ACT scores. Those don't <laughs> reflect <laughs> those don't reflect his his charisma and his and his drive and his, you know. So I'm telling you, I just was not that good of a student. Gotcha. Okay. Not even my guidance counselor was like academically, he's like meh, but socially he's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm an, you know, so I said, I don't care. I don't care that I I wasn't great at English. I don't care that I didn't know the difference between T-H-E-N and T-H-A-N or T-O and T-O-O. I don't care that I don't know the difference. I do know the difference now, but I didn't at the time. And I didn't care because I had a good idea. And I just said, I'm not going to let my brain get in the way. Or like, I'm just going to fucking do it. Yeah. Most people, if they start something, ah, this isn't any good. Nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to finish it. I didn't care if it was good or not. I needed something to grease the wheels up here. Yeah. And so I just kept writing. I kept writing. I kept writing. Five minutes here, 10 minutes here, you know, two minutes here. I went back and read, oh, that was stupid. I'll just delete it and I'll pick up again tomorrow. And pretty soon I had, I had a whole story and I didn't know if grammatically it was correct, but I thought it's fun. It's a creative idea. I thought, and People like pop culture references. There's a lot of 80s and 90s pop culture references. Yeah. If you like punk music, there's a lot of punk music references. What's up? What I grew up on. And so I just said, all right, I'm going to keep, I'm just going to keep fucking typing and changing and correcting. And, uh, and really the book is what saved me from getting too down in that dark place of like, I'm not auditioning. I'm not booking anything. I'm not... It, it, it was really what was my saving grace and still is. I mean, I, I mean, right now I'm not working on technically anything except the sequel to my story. Yes. It's a, it's a sequel. I give it, I'm giving it away. It is a sequel. But it's you're in business for yourself at this point. You're creating your own art. You're not a cog in someone else's art or like our town. You're not in some dead person's art. And that's gotta be thrilling, right? I mean, I think my biggest thing was, okay, I'm sitting around waiting for my agent to call me or my agent to email me or, and I knew like a lot, and I knew like creating your own stuff was starting to become like a lot of people like creating their own videos on social media and YouTube. And and I just couldn't, again, I'm not, I've gotten a little better at it, but at the time I just, 
I just wasn't clicking. Like I was like, what's this number sign everyone's putting in <laughs> yeah. front of these words? What is that? The hashtag. Yep. Yeah. But I thought, you know, I, I can, I can control what I write and I'm enjoying doing it. And so that's kind of the avenue that I took. Perfect. And that's kind of where the whole story came from or the idea to write and the psychics. <laughs> the fact is, is like if you were to go take a class on social media, that's mm-hmm. already outdated. Like, I don't know. People don't seem to understand this. When If you go to your community college and that person's teaching you about hashtags on Instagram, for example, Instagram is already outdated. Next is TikTok. TikTok is just a recycled vine. And you get all these things really putting it out. There. It's always been my experience with their show and everything. You put the content out there. If it's meritous, it speaks for itself. And your book is fucking incredibly highly reviewed when you compare it to its contemporaries on Amazon. That is really impressive. I am not like no bullshit at all. I'm very excited for my chance to read it. I think you're going to like it. When were you born? I was 87. Oh, you're definitely going to like not. You don't have to be born in the 80s to like it. But if you were born in the 80s and you went to high school in the 90s, and you came from a punk rock kind of misfit background. Straight up hardcore like guy it. who's got a misfits really? tattoo and have seen really? AFI like 50 times and Tiger uh. 13 times. So yeah, I think uh. I'm right there with you, dude. I think you're really going to like it. And for those of you who weren't born during that time, that's okay. It, I have been told it's a mashup of Ghostbusters, which yes. was my favorite film growing up, basically. Perfect for this month. Right. Ghostbusters, Rosemary's Baby, and the Goonies. So this is where we're going to have a fight. We're going to have a fist fight, my friend. Monster (laughs) Squad is better than Goonies. I'll fight you to death about it. I don't care how handsome and good looking you are. Okay. It's funny you mentioned Monster Squad because, now I don't want to give anything away, but I'm definitely using, I didn't reference Monster Squad in the first one. It's definitely going to play a part in the second one. I'm just going to, I'm not going to tell you how, but it's going to. Can so I fucking prepay you... for a copy for that son bitch? Because so, I'll read it. No, we don't have that. to fight. We don't have to fight now. Perfect. See, I, see? <laughs> is the cover of this book supposed to remind me of the gate? Because as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, yes. Oh, that's oh, interesting. Yes. No, okay. So, the okay, wait, I'm going to hold up something for the for the video people. Can you read this? Tom Grillo. Gr- uh, Grillo is Grillo? Grillo? At, at Tom Grillo Illustrator. Underscores. Oh, those are underscores. Those are underscores. The illustrator who did the cover for it. And I said to him, okay, look, I have an idea of what I want this to look like. But the movie poster I sent him to reference was, are you ready? Ah. Fright Night. Sexy. Fright Night. My, have you seen the original Fright Night movie poster? Oh, yeah, poster? absolutely. My it, it, favorite, it's very similar, yeah. My favorite movie poster growing up. I remember when I would go into when Blockbusters and sadly the little convenience stores existed where you could rent the films. And they'd have the little VHS, you know, box that you could look at. Oh, I'd always gravitate to that. What is, what is this? Oh my God, this looks so scary. The, the, the demon or the vampire in the clouds just, God, I don't know who drew that, but that was my main inspiration for the poster. And it's so. amazing. And I'm, as soon as you mentioned that, I'm like, yeah, the house reminds me of the gate, but the clouds and ethereal stuff above it. Definitely. I think follow, you're right. Follow this guy. At Tom Grillo Illustrator. And I'm trying to do Google to find out who actually did the art for it. And I have absolutely failed. For but, Fright Night? Yeah, because there's like, I'm at, a, I'm at a website where there's like 15 different things. And it's like, 
I, I didn't know how many posters there were for Fright Night because the only one I ever think of is this one. Uh, you know, the house, you see the little guy in the silhouette in the window. Oh, yeah. Uh, apparently, they're making a Fright Night, too. Yeah, I heard that after the whole Friday Night remake thing. That seems interesting to me. I could. What do you think that. of the re- What do you think of the remake? It was harmless. It didn't like bastardize the source material. I'm not going to say it's the best thing in the world, but it didn't offend my sensibilities as much as I thought. I liked how they explained the relationship between him and Ed, right? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people can relate to that. Your best friend. I know my best friend in middle school, elementary school, middle school. We kind of had a falling out like that. I was starting to get into like skateboarding and punk music. He was still, you know, wanting to like play with toys, which is, Hey, I I mean, I love toys, but at the time it's like, well, I want to go skateboard now. I don't want to do that. Creating a new identity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like in the new version of it, they really did describe that. Like Charlie is becoming like, he's becoming one of the cool kids. He's got a girlfriend. And then Ed is like still wanting to, I like how they explain that because in the in the original one they don't really. I got the sense that like were they even friends? Him and him and I, I That's didn't really. Valid, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I liked I liked how they did that. The only thing I didn't like about the remake was the very end. I'm, I know I'm getting very specific. I did not like how CGI they made him look <sighs> when you know when they when they throw the fire on him. And very good. Like, yeah. I just I just I don't know. I I, I still think to the to this day a lot of people ask me this. Um, when I do some of these podcasts is what's your favorite horror movie, right? Yeah. You know, obviously most of the things I've done have all been horror related and I still go back to the original exorcist. I think, Ooh, yeah. I think there was no CGI back in what was that? 71. No, well, people breaking their fucking backs doing this stuff. Hell yeah. I just saw it. My wife and I went to see it in the movie theaters uh, last Halloween on the big screen. I'd never seen it in the big screen. That movie still, I, I don't know. It really, Terror, it resonates with me. It, oh, yeah. I still think it's the scariest movie and no CGI. Oh, yeah. I don't know how they pulled off what they did, but so that's the only thing about the remake of Fright Night I didn't like was that end where they get them all CGI'd. And well, look at your formative experience in filmmaking. You have latex and gore and gook and maybe one thing of CGI, like the whole movie. Like I've always been a practical effects guy, and especially, yeah, I would assume that you would be too, right? I don't think anything in Poltergeist was CGI'd. I don't think. In fact, the, the I mean, the special effects department yeah. was in the basement of the house we were all living in. Holy shit. Right? So you'd go down there and they'd be making these eggs that pulse and, you know, the chicken monsters and all this stuff. They're in the basement. We could go down there at like 2 a.m. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just making this green shit that's going to squirt out of this thing. Cool. Okay, I'm gonna go back to bed. You know, yeah. like I don't think anything was CGI'd, and um, and the little I um I, I don't know if you've ever seen VHS, but oh, I, yeah. I had a li- okay. So the little the little my little vignette of that same thing. The, they made a body cast of me, like of my upper torso. Yeah, uh, that was weird. Getting put in like that stuff, and I can imagine. Know, and then the blood packs were just put into the forehead and. You know, when they stabbed and someone pushed something and, you know, that's so rad. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just think there's something to that instead of the CGI. I don't yeah. know. The tangible element of it. Let me ask you this. Uh-huh. Poultry Geist is we called it ADD, the movie, I think, on our episode. There's so much going on. Is it exhausting when fans come up to you and they're like, hey, remember this very minute <laughs> thing that happened to you 15 years ago? 
on one scene you may or may not have been in. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, jeez. I mean, yes. I mean, uh, uh, some of the things I will get asked or or people will mention, I myself will have to be like, uh, yeah, oh yeah, Let totally thinking like, that. what yeah, the exactly. hell? What the did, did I do that? Did I say that? <laughs> because to be honest with you, a lot of the times when I didn't have to be on screen, I would kind of stay away from the whole set yeah. and all that. Because again, this was non-union, right? So there was no, okay, you get a one hour break because we just shot for X amount of hours or, okay, you get your 30 minute, whatever. Uh Uh-uh. It was, okay, we're going to start at 7 a.m. By 1 a.m., I guess we'll stop now. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) So sometimes I was, sometimes when I was not there, when I didn't need to be there, I would actually not go just to decompress a little bit because it's, it was the summer. Yeah. It was in this abandoned, I think it was a McDonald's where you've got all this fake blood, all this fake food, flies, every kind of insect. It's hot. It's sticky. Yeah. You know, you've got thousands of people, uh, you know, you've got Lloyd screaming at everyone. You've got, you know, sometimes it was a little like, all right, I don't need to be on set today. I'm just gonna take a nap or, you know, uh, is it more terrifying thinking about this shoot in a COVID world? Cause with like all these sweaty, gross, uncovered oh people and stuff, I imagine that it's just like, now I'm like, Oh God, germs. Okay. First of all, the, <laughs> that, that production would have been shut down like yeah. uh, the day uh, in a day. I, I lived with, I, my one bedroom had five guys in it. Oh, uh, I bet okay. the aroma was delightful. <laughs> By the end of it, it was like cheddar cheese. Oh, and <laughs> a bouquet of butt <laughs> butt and cheddar cheese luckily i've said this before i remember because this was a huge thing and people are like oh this dude what a prima donna we had the only working air conditioner Ooh. in that house i can't sleep when it's too hot you know so yeah. imagine five dudes cheddar cheese and butthole smell but we had a working air conditioner, which I think saved me for the summer. In fact, some people got so fed up with it. They went and paid for their own hotel rooms just because they wanted a hot shower. There were times when there were times during the production, the shower would not have any hot water. So you come back and you're covered with fake vomit and shit and fake green jizz. Right. Yep. And then like, Oh, the shower's not working. <laughs> like, Oh, awesome. I'm sorry. Okay. The fuck what? <laughs> you fix that shower now. So, right? um, so some people would, would get hotel rooms just because they were like, okay, I can't take this anymore. Um, I didn't even know what we were talking about originally. Well, actually, I, kinda... I wanted to cue on this. So on the topic of green jizz, as you mentioned, uh-huh, you've done uh-huh, a lot uh-huh. of commercials. Has anybody ever been like, hey, um, I'd like to have you in this Tampax commercial or whatever, but there's this thing about green jizz in your work history. We can't be associated with that paltry, poultry guys. No, no. Thankfully, it is not. Luckily. It has not stopped me from getting anything else. And in fact, actually, poultry guys was how I got my first agent. There you go. I will go back to the, the friend of mine that I mentioned, Matt, right? Yeah. At the beginning of the show, he said, hey, you should send your stuff to this XYZ, uh, Genevieve Brewer, which is who you mentioned, the brewing. What the I brewing. Thought, I was <laughs> like convinced this guy was having I'm my, more interest I'm in my in basement. Me. Like, yeah, people do weird ready. shit. Yeah. Um, he, he's the one who that hooked me up, uh, who I still freelance with to this day. That's amazing. Who actually just got me 
the biggest audition I've ever had, which I did not get, which I'm still kicking myself. Did for, Gary Oldman it, get it? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Rich. I I got to I got to tell her to look for some Gary Oldman lookalike uh, projects, but uh, it was for something for Marvel. But I did not get it, and uh, man, I kicked myself. Man, it was about a month ago, and I just uh, I don't I don't know who got it. But fuck, that would have been amazing. Oh my god, that would have been amazing. Hey, and there are trauma alums in Marvel. Look at James Gunn. Come on, it's I know. possible. I know. Well, and speaking of trauma alums, I keep I keep throwing it out there to Lloyd. Hey, that remake of Toxic Avenger. Come on, let me just be some guy who gets his like head chopped off or something. There you go. Wouldn't that be great to just pepper in a couple trauma people into that you yeah. know i was talking to something. mark torgel about it and he was saying he's going to be coming back for something why not arby right something for the old fans right to be like oh hey there's something for the new fan i don't know what's, Wait, what's, what's he, the kind what's of gross, he doing what mark torgel but yeah right, so he's acting and he's an editor and so he was actually talking about his covid beard has gotten him a few acting gigs he's going to be in a film called the macabre coming up oh awesome oh, there you go see I, this is all i can do this yeah. is about it. I'm right about there with you. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I've been, oh, hey, Lloyd, little email. How's it going? Maybe you want to, you know, couldn't you imagine from trauma to Hollywood? What a, what a slogan, right? There we go. Trauma world to Hollywood. Wow. That, <laughs> I don't know. That'd be kind of crazy. But anyways, uh, I don't know where my, where I was going with that. Oh, yeah. James Gunn, trauma alum. Yeah. But yeah, that's so poultry guys is how I got my first agent and then. I, I don't know. I, I get off on tangents. What were we talking about? Again? That's the best part of the show. You know, okay. I actually kept you 15 minutes longer than I said I would. We've had so much fun. So how about this? I'm making you an oath, a blood pact, slicing my palm and rubbing it on my camera. Okay. If you ever have anything to promote, including a second book, maybe with a handsome podcast host named Jake in it. You're always welcome <laughs> back. We could talk about more. Yeah. Wait, are you out of time? Can I give a quick synopsis of the story? No, that's no? what I was going to finish with. So that's where oh, I'm queuing you in. Go look at that. It. Look at that. Synergy, great, baby. Great minds. So the, the book, really quickly. Okay. Of course. It is a little mixture of fiction and nonfiction. Okay. Everyone in the story is someone that I grew up with in high school. My first girlfriend in high school and my best friend who lived across the street from me are like the heroes of it. I changed everyone's names, but we're they're like my crew, right? There you go. But the main the main storyline is actually based off of something from my actual life. Now, obviously not maybe not the supernatural part, but growing up, uh, I'll make this quick. Growing up, my parents had a very strange habit of staying up all night long. And I'm not talking about like, oh, they'd stay up till like 11 or 12. Uh-uh. I would wake up sometimes three, four in the morning, I would hear them downstairs. The TV would be on. I'd hear the coffee pot going in and out of the whole, what, not holster, whatever, you yeah, know. The maker. Like, what? So at, at, at the time, you know, it's like a kid. It's it's nice. It's a nice feeling knowing, hey, someone's up. If someone was to break in or something, people are up and there's noise and activity. But looking back, I was like, man, what the fuck were they doing at yeah. three, four in the morning? Okay. All right. So that's, that's the first part. The second part is my dad's wedding ring. Okay. I don't know if you can see mine. It's just silver. It's got like a little double etched line through it. Okay. Nice and simple. My dad's wedding ring is a gold band with all this weirdo symbols in it. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Wait, I'm going to draw you a, now this is only for the people who uh, get the special content. 
which if you're not signed up for it, I recommend doing because you're going to want to see my beautiful artwork here. Fucking shameless okay. plug. You know how to pedal. I know what's up. <laughs> so, okay. So kind of like this, right? All right. Weird lines and almost almost what looks like another language. Uh, maybe? Is this the one of, ring to rule them all? <laughs> some sort of code. The funny thing is, growing up, I would ask him about this. Dad, what does your ring mean? What are all these weird symbols? And he has never told me. Never. Is never. your dad I'm Anton not- LaVey? Is that what I look at? <laughs> he's, never, he's never told me, even to this day. Oh, uh, So I said, okay. Now grown up, Jason says, all right, fine. Screw you. Yeah. You don't want to tell me? I'm going to make up what I think it is. I'm going to publicly so- guilt you into telling me so that in my tell-all book, people won't be coming and judging you. <laughs> So basically, the the storyline comes from, you know, I'm mentioning this, how my parents are so weird. They stay up so late. And and one of my friends in high school, like, dares me to like, why don't you go see what they're doing? I bet you they're like having sex or they're like, I bet you they're doing drugs or whatever. And so one night I say, okay, I'm going to do it. So at like four o'clock in the morning, I creep down there to see what they're doing. And they're not there. And I search the whole house and I cannot find them. The only thing I can find is my dad's ring. And when I pick it up to look at it, some stuff happens. And that is where I enlist my girlfriend. Well, she's not my girlfriend at the time, who I hope to be my girlfriend and my best friend to figure out what is the mystery behind my parents' strange disappearance and their strange nocturnal behavior and my dad's strange ring. I'm really into this. So... That's I don't want to give too much away, but that's kind of how it all started. So the so, you know, the the get staying up at really late and the ring are all true. Those are all things that I did experience growing up. And my girl, well, she's not my girlfriend anymore, but she was my girlfriend in high school, my best friend in high school. They're all based on real people, as is everyone else I mentioned. Um and yeah, and so we just kind of take it from there and we and that's kind of where the Goonies aspect comes in. We I go on this you. like we go on this like adventure to find out what's happening. Little do we know what sinister turn it's going to take. That's electricity in the air. motherfuckers. (laughs) So uh, I got a fever. The only cure is getting me a copy of the mysterious happenings at two morning view on Kindle on Amazon. Potentially in print, maybe. I'm, wor- I'm working on it. Okay, all right. Now, now, now you're now people are gonna be like, "Oh my god, what the fuck is wrong with this guy?" I have been. Tra- <laughs> I told you I'm not good at technology, right? I've been trying to. I, I have a place that's that can print these. I cannot get the goddamn cover to. Every time I upload it, they're like, "No, it's too big. It it needs to be this dimension." I'm like, "Bobby, send it to me. I'll Photoshop it for like, you." Oh my I'll god, it is. I swear to God, it's that dimension. So that's that's the little hang up there. But I'm just yeah. The fact that I even got it onto Amazon and Kindle is pretty like, fucking impressive. I mean, that's pretty amazing, you know, because obviously I can't even format a PDF file. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, um, did you have any other questions or no, I ramble? Man, we're good. I tend to ramble. This is ramble. good. I love I this. Feel Never like there apologize was something for else. rambling. That's why people listen to podcasts. You should uh, hear how right. I extrapolate. We'll be talking about something and I equate it to butt fucking and community theater so it's all good (laughs) i feel like there was somewhere else something else i wanted to mention about the story but i don't i don't think i don't think so yeah make them buy that shit for the primo yeah i just i think if you're into like the campy adventures with the little supernatural twist someone reviewed it someone on one of the reviews said 
yes, it is that, but at the heart of it, it's kind of a love story, which I didn't really set it out to be that way. But, you know, you think about like your first relationship, how it's, you know, your first, at least this is what I always thought, maybe I'm wrong, but like for guys, like, you know, your first like girlfriend, it's like, oh my God, like we're going to be together forever. Right. Or was I the only one who thought like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I was, but it holds like a special place. And so when you think back on it, there's like a special quality to it. I remember like five birthdays of people I know. And the girl I lost my virginity with is one of those five, even though it's been like a bajillion years. Yeah. See, so I I don't know. I, I'm, I guess maybe someone picked up on that. Maybe, Maybe my writing is that good after all. Fucking layers, dude. Maybe my guidance counselor was wrong. Okay, my SAT scores were shit, but maybe I could. I can write a little romance novel. (laughs) The one thing I forgot to mention is in your writing of this, when you look at it, is it cinematic? Are we going to get a cinematic universe? The Yashannon cinematic universe? Is this something that you're uh, an aspiration of yours? Okay. This this story came from a place of you know needing to do something to just get me out of my own head yeah and to pull myself out i referenced that like dark place of like not booking anything no auditions and and it really has been that if someone was to say holy shit i really enjoyed that i'd like to turn it into something hey i'm all ears but that was that was not the point going in I did not sit down and write like, I'm going to write something and it's going to be made into a movie. Let's go. No, 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 no. This was purely for me to kind of like help me get work through some things. That's awesome. If that's the silver lining. Hey, again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm all ears. Let's sit down and talk. But no, that was not the main purpose of doing that. And actually even people ask me that like, you know, as an actor, like, you know, where you seek, you know, were you just thinking, yeah, I want to be famous. I want to, and I, I've always had the same answer. I never got into this business and still, and still to this day, what I am is attempting to be a working actor, right? The goal is to just be consistently working. I wanted to be that guy who you're like, Hmm, I recognize this guy. I don't know why I recognize them, but this dude looks familiar. You can think of some actors who you don't oh, yeah. know their names, but they're, but they're in everything, right? Mm-hmm. You look at it like, holy shit, this person's been in this, 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 and their list just goes on and on. You don't necessarily know what their name is, but when you see them, they're like, you're like, oh, that dude. Yeah, I know that dude. Exactly. A working that, actor, yeah. That's kind of always been the goal. And so, you know, that was my acting kind of path that I was still attempting to get on. As far as writing, it's really just, I'm really enjoying doing it. I think it's a fun story that some people may get a kick out of and so you know that's kind of where that lies but again if someone from netflix was like this is the next stranger things i can see it now cool okay awesome i'll put a little bow on it and here you go you know i i think people would you know i think people could get uh, a lot of enjoyment out of it i mean if nothing else i think it's fun and it's entertaining and again if you like the 80s and 90s You'll like all the pop culture references. It's perfect. Who doesn't I, like pop culture references? Right? Well, yeah, I just talked to the guys who did Redneck Zombies. Their goal was to make a movie. Then it became a horror movie. Then it became, you know, that's where I think you get some of the best art is that you want to create. And then you try and figure it out. I, I've always found it, it shows because your industriousness and like, think about it. It's a 308 page book. 
at page 240, you might have fucking burned out if it wasn't for the fact that three psychics told you this was your fate and destiny, right? <laughs> so the fact that you got all the way to completion is really impressive. And I think it's something that we should applaud you for. Thank you. The second one has definitely been a little more challenging. Um, I, and I've heard that, like I've heard people say, well, yeah, because now you've created this universe and now you're kind of expanding on it. So like now there's like those expectations. Because the I, first I mean, I book, how, you're the, I don't know how high those expectations. You're are, the guy who was finger fucking Wendy in Poultry Guy, so it's like, <laughs> hey, this is kind of novelty. But now it's like, oh, this is an acclaimed author coming out with a sophomore novel. I'm not sure what kind of acclaim, but I, I appreciate that. Um, but now it's like, okay, well, you know, you you've created this universe for yourself. Now you've got to like expand on it because now there's like other characters coming in who, who weren't necessarily part of my growing up, who I've now like created to fit. Oh, okay. Well, I need a police officer here and I need a this there. And I need, and now I'm like, I'm like, how does the lady who wrote Harry Potter keep all this shit straight? Like, Ugh. I can't even, I'm like, wait a minute. I have to go back. And what did I say here? Especially all I the um, here? actually people who will certainly tell you if you're wrong. Like, um, actually in Goblet of Schmimmibla on page 34. <laughs> Thankfully, no one's done that yet. The only thing people have done is like, you know, you had a you had a spelling error on page. I'm like, okay, no problem. So I, no, I've I've gone back and I fixed them all. Perfect. I think. Read the book. Tell me if I didn't. I told yeah. you I wasn't a good student. Prove him wrong, people. <laughs> so you can find the mysterious happenings at Two Morning View on Amazon. You can find Jason at Jason Yashinin23. Are you a? Is that a Michael Jordan reference? The 23 basketball. It's guy? a LeBron James reference. Oh. Okay, I'm gonna get some haters here. LeBron James, because I'm from Cleveland. Oh, that's fair. And, that's fair. You know, and then, uh, he, also, came, he came and did what he said he was going to do. He said, I'm going to win a championship for Cleveland. And he did it. 2016. The fact that he went to the Lakers. Uh, God bless. You came and you did what you said you were going to do. I, I hold no ill will towards LeBron James. In fact, that's why he's part of my Instagram handle. There we go. And then we also will pedal your friend. Tom underscore Grillo underscore illustration for the guy who created if illustrator. You're, sorry, illustrator. I'm looking illustration. Did I write it down wrong? Oh my god! Wait, are you looking at Instagram right I'm now? I'm actually on his Instagram and I see the cover of your book, so I'm pretty listen sure. Listen to I'm him. Right. Listen, don't listen to me. Listen to him. Whoopsie! <laughs> I told you I don't know how to do work social media. Freaking idiot. Um, but wait, weren't we gonna do a giveaway? Maybe right? We are. So that's that's the next part. You see, you're. Just jumping ahead, you're you're top of your class. You know, you're all about this shit. So what I was gonna I say, uh-huh. if if people can send me that they follow you, that they follow Tom, screen cap it and send it to me. You will end up entered into a, a contest to win a copy of this book. I am personally going to buy this fucking book and I will gift it to you so you could put it on your stupid cellular device, on your tablet, <laughs> on your laptop. This is not a free shit thing. It's how much I believe in this project. So. You send it to slasherspod at gmail.com or at slasherspod, and you let me know that you follow both Tom and Jason, and boom, you're entered to win. Um, will you do me a favor? Yeah. If you if you do buy it, are you going to read it first? I can't. Can I read it and then give it? I was going to buy another one for myself selfishly. If you like it, will you write a review for him? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> will you write a review? <laughs> Absolutely. That's huge. People don't realize yeah. that. Like metadata, you just get lost. Like I talk about this with everybody. It's like. It's becoming like regurgitated slock, but you could create the best movie, book, 
drum solo in the world, but if nobody hears it because of the epic volume of shit that's come out, does it exist at all? You know? Mm. Like I could, this interview could have been, I think it's quite good. It could be the best interview ever. Tom Brokaw could be like, and (laughs) if nobody hears it, does it matter? And so the only way to break through that shell, that ceiling, that whatever is through engagement with an audience. So please, if you like it, let them also fucking lie. Jeff Bezos is kind of an asshole. Just say that you bought the book and leave a five-star review. It's not that fucking hard, guys. (laughs) I could, I mean, I have questions about metadata and stuff like that but maybe that's for when we come back on for the sequel hell maybe. yeah all right i don't quite get how to but whatever 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 we'll maybe get someone to. can comment and be like jason this is how you do it here's a youtube tutorial from some <laughs> guy from lithuania <laughs> but perfect thank okay. you very much and like i said you have a home here as as often as you want it thank, thank you thank you thank you wow this was fun perfect i'm stopping recording and and that was my interview with Jason Yashin, and he is a lovely person. Uh, please follow him, support him, uh, pursue his book and other things with stuff. I don't know, man. I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm just saying that you would be greatly enriched and probably come out smarter on the other end of things if you were to maybe pick up a copy of his book. And let's say, you know, you're just you're you're crippled with financial debt. You can't afford a fucking book. Well, I will help you out. There's a giveaway. Do the giveaway. Follow Jason. Follow me. Let me know you follow both of us. And I'll one of you is gonna win a copy of the ebook. And I don't care how we do it. I'll send it to you with Kindle or whatever. Just fucking slasherspot at gmail.com. And that was my interview with Jason Yashan. And he is a lovely person. Uh, please follow him, support him, uh, pursue his book and other things with stuff. I don't know, man. I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm just saying that you would be greatly enriched and probably come out smarter on the other end of things if you were to maybe pick up a copy of his book. And let's say, you know, you're just you're you're crippled with financial debt. You can't afford a fucking book. Well, I will help you out. There's a giveaway. Do the giveaway. Follow Jason. Follow me. Let me know you follow both of us. And I'll, one of you is going to win a copy of the ebook. And I don't care how we do it. I'll send it to you with Kindle or whatever. Just fucking slasherspot at gmail.com. Doug, you and I have something in common. Yes. We're on Slasher's Podcast. What else do we have in common, Doug? Ooh, and this is good news, too. The big stuff here. We're both on B-Movie TV. So I'm on at uh, 8 o'clock for Friday Night Action. You can get it free on your Roku. And Jake, he just started his new episode, which uh, should air on the 24th of April, I believe, right? Yes. This Saturday. This Saturday, 10 p.m. from B-Movie TV. Just so proud of you, boys. Absolutely. It's fucking free. And I looked at every single model of Roku available on Amazon. You can get it shipped. One day shipping. So this episode comes out on Monday. That means you have fucking five opportunities to get your Roku before I'm on the air and four before Doug's on the air. I bought a Roku just to support Doug, and now I use that more than I use anything else. B-Movie TV is definitely seeping into the Slashers pod, so we're like that pink goo just going in and getting some new audience, hopefully. And they have B-Movie TV on demand as well, which is nice. So if you can't stay up late or you live on my coast, then you can always watch them on demand as well. So that's nice. Mm -hmm. And I heard a rumor from someone somewhere, maybe, I don't know, could be true, could be not, but maybe if you change the settings on your Roku, you might be able to be in a different time zone. I don't know. Hack that shit. 
Yeah, just go in your times and, and set it to whatever time it is, and B Movie TV will play the program oh, for that hour. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, that's, no one told me that. That's yeah, it. almost like a half-ass VPN trick. It really is. <laughs> Doug told me way too late because I had missed a couple of his episodes and went to find him on the on demand. And then he was like, "Oh, you can just do this." I would miss it by like five minutes, putting my kids to sleep. I'm like, "God damn it!" And so, uh, well, that's okay. I guess I'll also mention my movie is going to be Backwoods Bubba from Blunt Force Entertainment. So uh, you should Google it. There's some, it's going to be a show. I will tell you that. Backwoods Bubba. Yes. I'm pretty sure I know that for some reason. (laughs) Everything we could ever hope for in a debut episode, my flagship show. Uh, But I have my next, after this, I have my next five weeks of content planned out. So I'm pretty excited about it. Maybe I could have some of these fart knockers on my show. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, also, maybe I could have a shirt as delightful as Doug's, his Macho Man Digo shirt, which did you purchase from one of redbubble.com? Yes, I did. You can get that from redbubble.com along with a bunch of other slashers merchandise here. In fact, if you watch uh, the B Movie TV this Friday, I'll be wearing this uh, for the new episode. So Macho Man Dingo will be on the airwaves. Well, on the airwaves. airwaves. Now, who drew that <laughs> delightful design? Somebody maybe we could commission to do stuff like caricatures of us squeezing each other's nipples, something. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the man who has the best, uh, well, most of the most sexual armpit ever, Adam, our very own Adam. (laughs) He's done the artwork for that. Yeah, uh, I may be laid up temporarily, Goons, but I get a lot of stuff, a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of artwork coming your way. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. It's going to be really fucking, it's going to be squishy. Seriously, over the next three months, I think we've already planned out at least six shirts that are going to be coming out. So yeah. Just to carry all of my shirts. Yeah, so you're like the Bob Ross of (laughs) art design shirts, you know? (laughs) Every, Every episode, you got a new one. Yeah, I told A, if we got me a show on uh, like B-movie TV, it'd be like the joy of painting dicks. Now, that's very important, the punctuation, because you could put a one comma there and you're very insulting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck called me a dick? <laughs> so oh, a little dick. in summarization, we have at other boy underscore art at Doug Bizarro at pathologically ADE at Gacy Jones at slashers pod at everything. Please rate and review and subscribe. God damn it. Please. I saw that there's a company that's doing, they'll give you money to do reviews. Probably not going to give you money, but I mean, I'll give you a pat on the back. Here's what I'll do. Screenshot your review on any platform and send it to me. I'll send you a free Patreon bonus video. Goodbye and good die. Hey, hey, goons, it's your favorite foul-mouthed cybernetic orgasm. I mean organism. Or do I? Maybe you should ask your dad's butt and find out. Anyway, I am here to introduce this week's hidden track, which is Miserable Feeling by Attic Stories. Be sure to check them out, including their music video for the song Peaceful War on YouTube. Wait, why aren't we playing that song? Hmm, well maybe if you like this one you'll like that one so they can get internet points from the metadata deities that rule the cyber world. That's where I live at, because, you know, I'm a robot. Beep boop.